Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 375. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what is up? And also, a whale ginger appears. Connor is here. I am, I'm here and I'm here for like a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, three weeks I think. Don't threaten the people. In fact, next week you're getting a no Matt show. You're getting just me and Connor. Let me heaven help you all. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good job there's no books next week, isn't it? That's. Oh, there's yes, hardly any books next week. Yeah. That's the breaking of the first seal now. Just you two. It's happened once or twice. I don't know. I'm used to talking about Smallville when I talk to Connor. Just me and him now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been. It's not I, good. It's still not what? good. I had a very busy week, right, of recording. It's, it, things are getting hectic because I'm recording with Tim more for October because this, you know, screams October time. We do extra mm-hmm. episodes. Um, I've got a consistent five show a week schedule in the TV show, but uh, the TV channel plus Gen V just started and the Continentals on. So there's like a, a lot of things going on right now, recording wise. So I've been recording nonstop all week. But what makes this week really stressful? is the movies that I recorded this week. Subspecies, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2, Mimic 3, and The Expendables 4. The quality of movie that I have watched this week across the board has been dire. Here's the real question, though. Which one of those was your favorite? (laughs) It's got to be Expendables 4, because at least he can take in the, the terrible, terrible action. I mean, it's either that or subspecies. Yeah. I really <laughs> thought he was going to say Twilight for a hot no, second. No, no. Head, you've got to watch one of them again right now. Which one? Expendables 4 yeah. Shar, so <laughs> that yeah. one's... Is it that bad, Pete? Because I haven't heard anything I mean, either way. It is more watchable than a Twilight because at least it's a bad version yeah. of something that I'm supposed to like. <laughs> yeah. As opposed like... to Twilight, but... What are your thoughts on the third one? Do you like the third one? Oh no, third one shit. I I rewatched them all just okay. before the fourth one, yeah. and yeah. one and three are like worse than I remember. Two is the only yeah. one that's kind of okay. Sorry. The the yeah. others are. I wasn't sure if you subscribed to that same one because yeah. I remember um, when like the first one came out and people were like talking about it like it was a good thing. <laughs> it was it, well, it was like cotton candy. It's like I know I shouldn't be enjoying this. But it's empty calories, and then they kept making mm. them. No, but at uh, the time, the second one, people yeah. were genuinely like, this is great, this is fun. And I mean, I never said that. Like At the time, yeah. it was always kind of mildly disappointing because it wasn't quite the Avengers of all the action yeah. stars as you thought it was, you know? Right. And then yeah. 2 was kind of closer to that idea, but not still, still not perfect yeah, be- by any means. I mean, it's got Jean-Claude in an all-time... Van Damme? Yeah, Van Damme? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't have Van Damme in the fourth one. You don't even have Arnold. You yeah. don't have Bruce Willis, who obviously sadly had to retire from acting. Yeah. So who you get? You get Andy Garcia. That's who you get. The star of the not-so-good Godfather 3? <laughs> that, that would be it, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, wow. You know how I usually say the hit television show? There used to be... What, yeah the hit squad of a film that is godfather part three yeah <laughs> yeah i haven't heard i haven't uh, me and my wife were talking about the movies because uh i was telling her how you know i haven't been to the movies by myself in a while because the last time uh I, I, she's been with me the last couple ones uh and then i remembered i can't remember the last time i went to the theater it might have been haunted mansion 
but I can't remember. Mm, oh well. So I will say Twilight. Uh, the last Twilight movie and Expendables Four do share one thing in common: is they both have some of the worst green screen I have ever seen. <laughs> uh, it's really quite shocking, especially which it, somehow is slightly more forgivable in the Twilight movie because at least that was over yeah. a decade ago. I know, but even by that time standards, it was it was horrible. And what really gets me about the Twilight movie is that the green screen happens in scenes where I don't understand why it's green screen. You're just standing in front of the house. Like, why is this a green screen shot? House isn't real, Pete. It was real in the other movies. Well, they someone moved in and wouldn't let them rent it. Uh, so I've had a just a hell of a week as far as watching movies goes. Uh, but yes, uh, how are you, Matt? Don't care about Connor. Okay, I was just looking to see what the um, <laughs> the director of Expendables 4 worked on, and it's nothing on that I've seen. Nothing, yeah. That's the answer. Yeah, nothing. nothing. <laughs> uh, so I was just I was just checking. Uh, movie's been okay. It's It's been busy. Uh, hockey season's right around the corner. So, But also, so is spooky season. So it's, it's finding the balance mm-hmm. of, fact, of, of Matt, hockey and horror movies. When this goes out publicly, it'll be October 1st. So like, spooky yeah. season is technically So I'm all, I'm now. all caught up on Chucky up till the TV show. So I'm going to start that soon Oh, yeah, yeah, you've been working through those. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what was your favorite? Um, I, I think I really enjoy Seed of Chucky. I know it's not a good That's movie. That's the worst one. What are you talking about? No, 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 it's not the worst one. Three. Three is easily the worst one. Three is the second worst. Like, I'll agree three is, yeah. like, on the lower end. Yeah. But I, no, um, but two is best. And then, honestly, I yes. think I think next is Cult of Chucky. I think Cult of Chucky is a blast. Cult. Cult's really good, but left me so confused at what's going on, and I'm sure that's the point because of the show. Because there's a lot of it leads a lot of, of threads. There's a lot of up threads, in the air. yeah. And so I, I left it being so confused. Has some really brutal deaths. Do which, I which, about, you know, after um, Curse of Chucky. Oh yeah, yeah. Seemed kind of like made for TV ish. Joe, I love about Curse, right? Because Curse is the one that brought it mm-hmm. back after Seed. Is that for yeah. the first half of the movie, you think it's kind of a reboot, and because it's got a different mm-hmm. tone and all this stuff. But then by the end, you realize no, everything's in continuity. This yep. is the this this franchise is stuck to its continuity more than any mm-hmm. other horror franchise, and I respect yeah. it for it. I will say, like when it when it comes to the the franchises and and the main characters, you know, I have uh, Jason and Michael Myers are near and dear to my heart, and then you know, the next kind of space people usually will put in like Freddy Krueger. Well, I'm not a huge fan of Freddy. Mm-hmm. I, I do think Chucky is making a push because Brad Dorf. He's, he's is, funny. He's, he's he's good. Yeah, yeah. he is legitimately funny with the, some of his his takes. You know, because I know it's mostly voice acting um, at this point for him. Um, oh, actually, yeah, you've already seen his daughter do an impression of him. Yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. that's in cult a little bit. She's yep. very good at that. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, he's... But he's just... His delivery on a lot of the stuff, it shouldn't be as funny as it is. And he nails it. But, yeah, um, Child's Play is mostly, mostly a good franchise. Like, 3, I really did not like. And Seed, again, I know I'm not supposed to like it. However, it is just campy enough that I enjoyed it. I'd rather, if something's gonna be bad, at least let me enjoy it, right? Don't be, don't be bad and miserable, you know? That's, so, that's fair, yes. You know? That's fair. So. All right, fine, Connor. What, what you got going on? <laughs> no, we'll slow week See, this is why I don't then, ask. This is why I don't and ask. Then, <laughs> and then I was ill, so it was miserable. And I, I've just been... <laughs> yeah, it's... it's 
I'm, I'm, I don't want to come back all the way back since the last time I've been on the show. We'll be here all night. I'm just, no, I'm just, just proud of the reaction I, I got. Oh, man. I, I wasn't ready for him to just like, Connor got two words out, not even. And I thought it was safe to take a drink. And I almost ended up with uh, watermelon C4 all over my laptop. So good thing I had some restraint. But oh, my God. Yeah. All right, everyone, welcome. You guys are one of the great odd couples. I gotta give you it. Uh, Connor here, exists and Pete is upset about it. <laughs> That's why I exist. Yes. Connor exists and then pushed that, uh, the Michael Jordan meme, and I took that personal. <laughs> I took that personally. Uh, also, FTK. Yeah, F them kids. Uh, so. Yes, welcome to the show, everyone. This is the DC Comics Podcast. We get together and we talk about the DC books we read this week. Mm. And it's a fairly uh, busy week we have. Coming up on today's show, we got Action Comics 1057, Detective Comics 1074. We have The Flash, issue 1. We got Green Arrow, issue 4. The Penguin, issue 2. Unstoppable Doom Patrol, issue 6. Batman, Brave and the Bold, issue 5. Well, the main story, in it anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Power Girl, issue 1, which at least Matt read. I don't know if Connor also read that. Mm-hmm. I read some of it. Oh, well, that gives you a sneak peek. Well, we'll talk about it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then, at least Matt, maybe also kind of read Spirit World issue five. I did. There you I, go. I chose to read that instead of catching up on the Brave and the Bold. Interesting choice. <laughs> Interesting choice. Okay. Uh, so that's what's coming up on the show uh, this week. So uh, be aware. Uh, but. Uh, you know, Connor, I bet you've been missing something. You've had this feeling in the back of your your brain that, that no, it's this nagging no, feeling that something's been missing from your life these past five, six weeks, however long it's been. Can't possibly imagine what that would be. Hmm. Yeah, is just... it is it in depth discussion about detective comics? Because I have missed that. No, it's, it's just a little but bit of the back of the, if you want. It's a little bit of the back of your brain that's. Uh, it's the uh, it's, it, the scientists call it the CM10. Uh, it was right at the back of the back of the brain. Uh, it's this little part of the brain that lights up when you start talking about the Comicsology top ten. Everyone, when he said CM10, I thought he discovered a new neck bone because it was with a C. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cervical vertebrae. <laughs> Short term, like my dad when he broke his neck in '88, broke C4 and five. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering why you chose C and M for Comicsology, uh-huh. like. Uh-huh. CX. I don't. I don't know. I was thinking on my feet. All right. I just that was the first yeah. letters that came made. But for for like 0.5 seconds, I thought, wait, what's wrong with Connor's neck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, many men. Connor Connor's yeah. head's attached to it. That's what's wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. All right. Yeah. Comic Sol's your top ten. We'll look at Tuesday, the DC day, and then Wednesday separately because that's how they split up. So, uh, any guesses as to what number one from DC Comics is this week? Connor, you've been absent. Why don't you give it a shot? Well, there's a number one, so it's pretty flash. It is flash number one. Like that. That was, that was going to be my guess. Smart smart guess. Yeah. Number two, and I'm surprised by this, is Power Girl issue one. Hey, let's go. Lee Williams. Yeah, I'm very surprised by that. They did a lot of other books. Uh, number three is the Batman Catwoman Gotham more Red Hood special thing in my jig. That um, is a mouthful. Yep. So, number four is Action Comics. Number five is Batman Brave and the Bold. But, you know, it's an $8 book, so that's still pretty solid for that. Yep. Number six mm-hmm. is Green Arrow. Number seven is Tales of the Titans, issue three. 
Number eight is Detective Comics. Detective Comics definitely feeling a bit lower these days. Uh, mm-hmm. Penguins at number nine, and then number ten is Batman Beyond Neo Gothic. So, yeah, I think obviously text a bit lower. I think DC probably won't be that worried because th- th- there's no immediate danger of Ramvi not finishing his story because there's not mm-hmm. actually that much left anyway. I don't think. Mm. Um, like he'd always kind of said, "Oh, it's a pretty finite story." You know, it's the three acts, and we're obviously we're in Act Two right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plus, it's double shipping over the next couple of months. Yep. So we'll probably be through Rambi stuff fairly early next year. Yeah. I even wonder yeah. if part of the reason why it's double shipping is because it's selling lower. So they figure, well, we'll sell it twice a month and get through Rambi's right. run a bit quicker before we move on to whoever. Which is a shame because I feel like this is a Batman run people are going to be talking about later. I think it's it's doing really well critically, and it'll probably mm-hmm. have. Quite a lot of legs in the in the book market. I can see this being a great omnibus mm-hmm. uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, but clearly, in the in the singles, people are less interested. Hey, sometimes some things don't do well commercially when they first come out, and then their life kind of exists after that. That's just the way some things it is. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's that. Uh, Doom Patrol just missed the top ten, uh, and then after that, you got Wildcat, Superboy, then Static, then Spirit World at fifteen. So yeah, a lot of books out this week because uh, usually mm-hmm. it's like some weeks DC like barely fill the top ten, and there'll be like a trade in the, at the end of the top ten. Uh, this week actually there's like fifteen plus books, uh, with fact sixteen because Harley Quinn's at sixteen. So congratulations to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is DC stuff. Oh, there was a new edition of Batgirl Year One uh, out this week apparently. Is it's on the. It's a good what? book. It's a very good book. I really like that girl, your one. Um, so yeah, and uh, if we look at Wednesday, uh, do we have any guesses as to what number one is? I need to... Yeah, nothing obvious is jumping out at me. Um, what, what, what X-Men books were new? Jean Grey. <laughs> nope. No. Yeah, that's number two. Let me see. Realm um... of X. Nope. Not Realm of X. Oh, this is work for, this is work for Matt like every week since you've been away and now you're back. I know he's taking get... my answers, but he's making himself look dumb, so it's helping me out even more. <laughs> what was your guess, Matt? Uh, I'm gonna guess the Venomverse thing. Uh, I don't even see no? that. <laughs> the fact that it's taking that long for him to find. No, I know what it is. Definitely not. God damn it! It's Ultimate Invasion Four. Yeah, that, Venomverse is down at like twenty-one, maybe. Let's <laughs> yeah, see. On on League of Comic oh, Geeks, oh. it's on the. Th- it's on the third row, so uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, number one is Ultimate Invasion. Yeah, issue four. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. That's all I see on my Twitter is people complaining about how how expensive it is for a single issue. Yeah, and not a... just, you know, the first issue, it's every issue. Oh, yeah, it's $9 yeah. for issue four. Yeah. So, yeah, as as beefy. Jeez. Yeah. Does it at least have the page count? It's like 50 pages. Okay. But every issue is nine dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Oof. Also, that must mean that there's a lot of artists juggling that thing because there's no way one artist is doing a fifty-page book every month. Uh, this one has Hitch listed. Uh, Hitch listed as last. Yeah. I've been Hitch for all all four all five issues so far. It's, like it, it's very four. much the the cover at least is very much Hitch. 
Yeah, no, it's been huge for every issue. He, had, as a notoriously pages. slow artist, he must have had a hell of a lead. He must have done, because Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Jean Grey, issue two. Number three is, is Invincible Iron Man. Number four is Immortal Thor. <laughs> number five is Realm of X. Uh, number six is Avengers. Number seven is Miss Marvel, The New Mutant. So sort of went through with that record, I see. Very oh, good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number eight is Void Rivals, which is a Robert Kirkman image book. I've really been enjoying that book, actually. actually is it image? Maybe it's not image. I just assumed it was image. It is. It's, it's image. It's Skybound Sky slash ah, image. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, number nine is Avengers Annual, and then number ten is X-Men Days of Future Past. So uh, there you go. So just one non-Marvel book. It is worth mentioning that right after the top ten, there's a Power Rangers book. There's a Conan book not too far down. Sonic's number 15. So there is some I'm non-Marvel stuff. Monstrous has finally started to slip down. That usually, I mean, for a long time, that was a really solid seller. Yeah, that's I guess now it's in like, it's like 48 now, this issue. So it must yeah. just be, there's a drop off with its singles. Yeah, number 20 on this uh, comicsology uh, ranking. That's still not like terrible, presumably. No, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out in the Wednesday, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff underneath it as well. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, a busy week for comics. I, I think if you're someone who's following a lot of Marvel as well as DC, and I'm assuming you're following DC because you're listening to the show, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you probably, probably had a lot of books this week. Uh, but, hey, you know. Um, so there you go. That's the Comics Dodger Top 10. We can be done with that. And move over to well, comics, I guess, because there's no news. I looked for news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was no news to find. Other than Dan Diddy doing weird podcasts with like dodgy people, <sighs> there's nothing remotely to talk about. Did you did you check the the dodgy site as well? That that that, that just in case they had anything. <laughs> dodging a different way from the podcast Dan Diddy was on but yeah no I did not ch- check we, it no. we we assume well we assume yeah. I mean, well <laughs> I'm going to give the benefit of doubt on some of the things uh, yeah. that, were, that were referring to well, there JSA 9 has been delayed no ah. one cares about that I mean okay. it's, come when uh, it comes it slipped from the 21st of November to the 21st of January that's actually quite a hefty delay. That's basically every issue from seven, seven, eight, and nine have all been delayed pretty heavily. JSA seven was originally scheduled for eighteenth of July. And it's now currently scheduled for the seventh of November. Yeah, it's been a heavily delayed book. I mean, that's definitely been the thing that's been going on. Yeah. Notice that Welsh reading that. Matt, you look frozen as if you're shocked. No, but I was like, what did we just read? Was it six? Yeah, it was six. We just read. Okay. That's what I was trying to figure out. Was which what was the last issue we read? Yeah, because so, so, issue six was one of those oasis in the desert moments of yeah. uh, night terrors, where a regular book came out. And That's like, right. You save us, save us, Johns, That's... with your actual regular comic book, please. Well, I say regular, semi regular. <laughs> yeah. So off delayed. Yes. Uh, wouldn't be a Johns book otherwise, would it? Let's be honest. At Aye. this point. Yes, but it wasn't a night terrors book, and that counted for a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. tempted for a lot. I, I, just for the record, terrors. I missed all the back half of Night Terrors. I'm never going to finish it. I'm, I'm not going back. <laughs> all, all you have to know is it's not good. All, all, all I know is by the end, it somehow started setting up the uh, the Tom Taylor event. Yeah, there's a little tease at the very end that, that reveals. I guess we'll just see what the. So there's a Doctor Hate that's going to be a part of 
this uh, Beast World thing. And he's yeah. working with Amanda Waller. That's all you need to know. Cool. I can definitely, definitely not read the rest and, of it. And that there's a there's a betrayal within the Titans, and that's who might be under the Doctor Hate helmet. Well, yeah, we don't know who it is. It's like there's a mystery yeah. of like, oh, someone's switched sides or yeah. something. Yeah, we, we don't know if that person is under Doctor Hate, but we do know that there is a... Whoever whoever flipped it flipped on the Titans, so it's someone within. But yeah, that's yeah. all. Probably Roy. Yeah. Hey. I imagine if they do really dirty like that, definitely <laughs> just quite back. I'm just saying, Roy makes the most sense to me for various reasons. Is it because you don't like Roy? I think that's <laughs> a strong statement. I, 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 I would say maybe indifference is more of a. He's not Jason Todd. Come on, I'm not going to do him dirty like that. He's not. He's just Jason Todd's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're judged by the company you keep, I suppose, is a, yeah. the way to put it. I've never met Connor, then. <laughs> I joke, I've missed Connor. He's a good sport. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Pete doesn't agree. <laughs> I know, that, that, was, that, was, uh, that was simply a, a reflex. Nothing more. Uh, Nothing more. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at covers right now. Before you ready, ready for me to complain to about every book somehow? I've got a feeling yeah, you're yeah. going to. Yeah. I don't, to be honest, the, the, I'm not going to complain about every book. I mean, I'm, I might be able to find a nitpick on every book if I tried. It probably. <sighs> there's, well, there's... Last week was very good, man. I felt like we had a really yeah. good uh, slate we, we of books did. last week. We did, despite being you know speeding through because I had a hard out. But um, I, I do think we, we had a pretty good, pretty good week. Um, maybe mm-hmm. didn't give you, but. There, there was one book this week that I actively disliked. So, uh, oh, I'm really intrigued if it's, if it's a book I think it could be. Yeah. I think you're hoping it's a book that you th- you're hoping it is Connor. Well, no, maybe, but there's a couple that I think it could be. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, oh, there's also there's another obvious choice, but I don't think Matt would even tease that one because we already know we all shit on it <laughs> yeah so, that, that's my like the, there's a couple there that i'm like yeah but it, it, is that really a surprise uh, oh yeah it's very very curious anywho it's gonna it's really gonna surprise it's not what you think it is okay so, okay okay yeah. okay okay uh all right well i mean before we get started with the books i'll just let everyone know if you want to hear more of me and connor rabbiting on about something stupid we are reviewing smallville on a weekly basis uh we're reposting old reviews of season one just now publicly, but if you're on Patreon over at patreon.com slash TV, you'll hear me and Connor. We're about halfway through season two. Um, and since we started doing dedicated just reviews of Smallville season two, uh, they've been much longer, much more in-depth, and frankly, a lot more sillier. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's just not a very good show, and and uh, we, we kind of really lean into that. Yes. Yes. Although was that one really boring episode that wasn't even funny bad? It was just Yeah, that that was, was the worst dull. episode we've had since we got back. Not even objectively worse, just the yeah. worst for us. Yeah. So hey, anyway, that's a, a bit of promotion there before we start. Uh but anyway, yes, let's start off with the comics, shall we? Detective Comics one thousand seventy four, Ram V writing with Dustin Wynn on the art. So when joining the book, uh I actually didn't recognise his art at first because I'm so used to him having just like more unique coloring, I guess. 
Yeah. Because, you know, you know normal, I think of Dustin Wynn and mm -hmm. I think of, like, watercolors or I think of mm -hmm. something like that. So this, this was a lot more typical Kind of like Manipole that way, right? You have, a, you have a vision in your head of what it looks like. Mm. And then when one thing changes, it kind of changes the rest of the art. Um, I, I thought it fit in really well with a lot of the etherealness. Because, you know, Wynn has those kind of softer edges on things. So... It kind of added the etherealness of, of whatever Bruce is going through here. Oh yeah, I, I think you can really see it on the on the faces. I think all of just the mm -hmm. people's faces uh, that looks really classic win mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it absolutely does. You know, this main cop we're kind of following this issue. Um, he like you know as soon as we get that that page where he's like on the phone, I'm like, oh yeah, I can see the Dustin Win like in his face. Uh, but it doesn't mm -hmm. it didn't strike me as one instantly like his art usually does because it does have just sort of. Uh, not bad coloring, but I mean, it's just more normal coloring versus what he usually mm -hmm. has. Uh, so the premise of this issue is that after the explosion uh, at the the tower, which ended the last arc, I think, before Night Terrors kicked mm -hmm. off, uh, Batman's seemingly going around the city, and he's kind of out of it. We kind of come at this issue from the perspective of other people. You know, it's this detective who's on the case, trying to track him down. And we get stories from different people. Uh, the, the first one here at the start of the issue is this, basically like I don't know, meth chemist or whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, he he would have worked against Walter White on Breaking Bad. Yes, absolutely. You know. So he he is um telling the cops like what happened and why there's a fire on the roof and he he's blaming Batman for it. Uh, it's actually a really fun couple of pages because this guy is trying to present it as if he's this good stand-up citizen. Mm -hmm. But when we're seeing the panels and the art, it contradicts everything he's saying because, oh, they're cooking drugs and then they pull out their guns and this sort of stuff. That made that first couple of pages quite entertaining. But yeah, Batman doesn't look quite right. When you see him, he looks like he's a little bit monstrous and there's something going on. Uh, and he's going it's around like the, the city. Eyes. Yeah, yeah. And he's going around the city. He's going to different like prominent locations. Like, he goes to, like, this, uh, was it Martin's, this, like, candy shop that's next to the pier, and then we get a flashback of when he was a kid with his dad, and they were at that pier, mm -hmm. um, and then eventually it's the, the Flying Grayson's, you know, circus, the, you know, the fairgrounds, and then ultimately uh, Crime Alley later on. And it's like he's going to all these locations that are connected to his past, and it's not until the end of the issue where we really get a sense of, okay, what is the internal struggle that's happening here? He's basically fighting for control against the demon inside him, you know, the monster. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's another kind of monstrous figure also talking to him in his ear as well. So there's a, there's a lot going on here to sort of dissect, like, the exact meaning of yeah. all this. You've got the, the demon wolf thing kind of, like, yep. going after his fears internally. And then you've got the big bat, vampire bat dude in a robe that's kind of on his side. Yeah, but yeah. it's uh, supposed to be Barbados, right? I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah. Well, uh, you got yeah. those great big pages where it's like the, the wolves like devouring. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess he's like his dad the first time you see it where it's just this big wolf head. So it's when he's walking away from the memory and it's like the wolves yeah. coming for his dad. Yeah. Uh, and you, and see you got one uh, going after... It, it, it eats dick, right? During uh, the Flying Grayson's bit. Yeah, yes. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phrasing! <laughs> Phrasing! Technically correct, Cause, but yes. Because this is, what, what? what's the name of these these things again, right, that they put in him? Yeah. Um, oh. the, yes, the asthma. Yeah. Right, so this is the asthma trying to get hold of it. It almost seems like 
Bruce going through his past is what is keeping it at bay, right? Yeah. It's like he's forcing himself to go through these traumas again as a way to keep it at bay because that's what birthed Batman. And there's a lot um, of like sort of symbolism in this issue. You can't read everything you see mm-hmm. is literal. It's very mm-hmm. obviously there's times when you're with the police officers or whatever. Where okay, this is just a normal scene. Mm-hmm. But anytime you see Batman, like there's a great like it's yep. the page after the first time you see the big wolf where he's almost like just a bat on fire with the cowl and it's yep. like all red behind him. Like obviously it's very symbolic of like what's going mm-hmm. on inside rather than what he actually he's- looks like. He's very wraith-like. Yeah, uh, and he beats up all the great as well clowns in Joker Town. Joe, you know I, I love that Croc's like just happily talking to the police, and I knew yeah. it was Croc as well, just from the color of the box. It's, there's something about it being a green box, mm-hmm. but just a dark green that I went, "Oh, I think this yeah. is Croc." I just got it instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'd say that's really strong editorial over years, right? Mm-hmm. To establish that hey, this is what Croc's lettering looks like. Yeah. It's just yeah, that's. This is what you use because that's what this character is, and yeah. uh, obviously there's there's some flexibility on some characters, you know. Yeah. But when it when it's someone like Croc who's not there that often, it's just enough that hey, you know, this this tells you who it is every time. I, I, I think it's a mix of uh, the color and the tone. Because if this was a slightly lighter green and the phrasing was slightly different, I would have probably assumed like Poison Ivy instead, right. you know, without seeing who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. But you know, the way the dialogue is written, plus the tone of green, it's like, oh no, this this feels more like Croc. And then, sure enough, it turns out to be Croc the next page. Uh, so, uh, what's the lady with the eyes called? All the eyes that works for the Arsons. This is the problem with Night Terrors, right? Yeah, it's it, been there's too, all it's these been new characters. <laughs> I don't even remember the wolf's name. I just know there's the wolf guy, the eye lady. Yeah. Um, and but then Orgum, of course, because he's the main guy. Yeah. So she's she's leading a little team looking for Batman as well <laughs> as all the police. Uh, the officer we, we were following here, uh, apparently he was saved by Batman during a Scarecrow attack, and it has a note saying all the way back in Batman Secret Files 1. I'll believe you, and I believe this happened, but that was ages ago, so yeah. I don't remember this. I, that's what I was trying to look up earlier when you guys were talking about the art and whatnot. Um, I don't remember. I know I read this because I, I pulled up the cover. Yeah, yeah, I know we read it. I don't remember the stories that were in it, though. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I was mentioning the coloring earlier. I will say the coloring on the flashbacks does is a little closer to what I expect mm-hmm. from Dustin One. So he was a little paler. It's, it's a little more. Yeah. You now I'm looking at the, yeah. p- the page with uh, Young Dick because now it's Bruce and Dick in the in the flashback before he turns out a Nightwing, and you know falls and is eaten by the wolf. That's actually a great page. Like you know he, he's doing the trapeze and he falls off and into the wolf's mouth. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually wondering here if it was meant to be uh, a giant bat because you don't, you don't really see behind it, and I, I don't get me wrong. I agree that the it looks more wolf-like, but yeah. the way it's like front legs looked in this page as it's eating dick, I was going, wait, is this maybe like some sort of really deformed bat who's like more monstrous, so it looks more like a wolf's head? But as uh, a wolf, I guess a wolf. you could take it that way. Yeah, I mean, but I, you look at the the one where it eats Thomas, right? It's very wolf-like. It is, no. Versus... The nose is definitely wolf-like. It was just it was just the way it looked on this page made me go, wait, is this going to be turn out to be like a huge bat that we're just not seeing all of yet? Yeah. I get well, it. That's I can it... see it with the, with the arms and, and even the ears. Yeah. Yeah, so we do actually end up back in Crime Alley, and obviously we're, all of us are with bated breath going, don't you dare show the perils. Don't yeah. you dare show them. Yeah. Now, what I like here is that he does see kind of like the, the shadows of him and his parents. 
but yeah. I love that it's mostly in the reflection of the war. So it's like a really subtle thing to be like, oh, he's thinking about it, but we're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, do the whole song and dance of actually showing the pearls falling and all that. It's, it's, it's just yeah. enough and that does the thing. If we'd had to see the pearls again after Night Terrors. I know. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so Barbatos kind of basically says he's too clever for his own good. Uh, you know, because Bruce is basically trying to fight his way out of this. He's, he's trying to reason with himself and fight off this this sort of invasion, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, and Barbato says, I can't really stop it, but maybe I can hold it off a little bit uh, mm-hmm. whilst you, you know, maybe save Gotham after all. So uh, we, we kind of build up to this. You know, Montoya's looking at the map, seeing all these locations that Batman has been. Um, so all these yeah. locations are important to Bruce. It's, yeah. He's anchoring himself in the city. And which is interesting because obviously the city being like a character almost has definitely been like a theme throughout this entire run. Uh-huh. So this is like yeah. him using the city to save himself. Uh, and it's notably the, the, the detective does kind of connect that two of them are related to Bruce Wayne uh, by the end here. That's uh-huh. kind of the cliffhanger we leave on is that he connects Crime Alley to the, the fairground because uh, Bruce bought that some time ago. So. Maybe we're leading up to this guy figuring out who Batman is. Uh, yeah. Because he's starting to put some pieces together. That would or definitely gonna... make for a hell of an act three. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. that. Or or it's going to tie, you know, Wayne and the Orgums together somehow. Right? Uh, because sure. of the history of the cities. You know? Yeah, I'm thinking Cause... less of a plot thing, though, or more just like a, like a thematic wrap-up to the stuff we're doing mm-hmm. there. Like, or what if the point of this character is that he's someone else good that the city's basically created because of all the things yeah. that have happened to him. So he's going to be like a new kind of ally of sorts because, yeah. hey, the city gives birth to things like this, like Batman, yeah. like him, like whoever. So, I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. Uh, yeah, it was an enjoyable issue. It was a nice change of pace because it was very, like, a new direction. It's like, okay, after this explosion, Batman sort of lost it. He's been infected. He's going through mm-hmm. the city... Uh, I like the fact that we're seeing everything from other people's perspectives for about two thirds of the issue before we finally sort of see him kind of dealing with it. Uh, it's very interesting. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he at the end there he talks about uh, he's asking the other cop. Um, he goes, "You ever watch the old sixties film called The Swimmer?" And he goes, "Never mind, it's a long shot." So I just pulled that up, and apparently that was That's a cool. nineteen sixty eight surrealist drama starring Burt Lancaster. And when you look at the the poster, um, the the tagline is when you talk about the swimmer, well, you talk about yourself. So, so what's your MV trying to tell us here? Unfortunately, you know, like I've not, is, unfortunately, I've not seen the swimmer, so I can't offer. Yeah, yeah. Tons I of just insight. you know he he throws it in there, and I don't think we'll have to watch it, but him him pulling that up, and then it seems to me uh, you know with all the surrealism and whatever this officer, I think it's Officer Fielding, is that his name? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Um, yeah. Yeah, whatever Fielding's putting together, it, it's along those lines of, you know, someone losing their mind and going through. So uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, um, real, real nice. It feels felt like a warm hug back from Ram V. Uh, not that the Night Terrors Detective Comics stuff was I mean, was it was bad. the best one. Like, Detective yeah. Comics Night Terrors was the best tie-in, apps bar, like, easily. Yeah. So you get back to the Orgums and the Asthma and Bruce and all yeah. of this stuff. The, the Night Terror's tie-in like, for this, Connor, was uh, Dan Waters doing effectively mm-hmm. Hellraiser in Gotham. That, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you might want to check that catch? out. 
There, there wasn't really no. one. It was it was basically it's... just a story about Gordon investigating something, and some rich people had used a, a device to summon. Uh, what were they called? It wasn't Cenobites, obviously. It was no. They were they were fifth dimensional um, something. Yeah, fifth, like terrors. Fifth, yeah, fifth dimensional demons. But it was basically Cenobites in terms of like yeah. what it felt like. Um, and, and it's Federici on the art too. That's right. That was right. The art was really good too. So, yeah. Oh. No, I just checked. I don't think I read either of those. Yeah. Yeah, you also might want to check out the the Dan Waters uh, Doomsday, because it's it's Doomsday in Hell. Oh yeah, I meant to, that, that was, was the, the that one shot like action yep. one shot. Yeah, yeah I, I meant yeah. to check it Supergirl out. Supergirl and Martian Manhunter in Hell fighting. Yeah, it's. I, I had a lot to catch pretty, up on it. It didn't seem essential for this issue of Action Comics. I thought I'll no. get back to it later. Yeah, no. No, they're fine. definitely throwing threads in there. Um, but it knowing how much you like Dan Waters, you you're gonna want to go back to that one and same with the the tech stuff you can almost read the tech ones outside of night terrors because there's only oh, like you can yeah there's... you know a little remembering about insomnia but other than that it just barely you're, you're ba- it barely connects it just it just yeah. yeah it happens to be a nightmare but that's about it uh mm-hmm. so yeah there's a backup here though we have uh dan yes. waters speak of the demon himself yeah uh with hayden sherman on art for a story about the ten-eyed man and this was interesting to me because this was Ten-Eyed Man. He's basically saying he's noticed something's wrong because the, the place that hands out free pizza on, like, Friday night or whatever it is, yeah. uh, is shut. And he ends up accidentally killing the, the owner of this place uh, mm-hmm. because he touches his head with his finger to sort of see what he knows or what's happened to him. Yeah. And he accidentally pokes his head <laughs> and leaves him for dead. In, in too much. Yeah, yeah. Ten-Eyed Man yeah. is so creepy. He's very creepy. I do not like him. But what what that basically ends up doing? Sorry, sorry, Pete of Pete's Pizza. Yes, Pete yeah. of Pete's Pizza. That was it. Uh, so is this me, or is like, and this might tie into the main story uh, and what's going mm. on here with what the Asmers are trying to do. But it kind of felt like people are starting to forget that Batman exists. Like that was kind of the the vibe. Yeah, he's talking about the, how there's a hole in Gotham, right? Yeah, like something's yeah. missing. Uh, maybe and... it's more symbolic than literally they're forgetting, but like. Well, don't don't forget it is like a reality engine that the organs are activating right and, and it plays with reality but because of barbados's influence this is how i've been reading it right and all the stuff that bruce went through gotham always has a protector whether it's you know bruce or someone someone always foils the organs right and here this might be one step closer to them being successful and if the ten-eyed man's noticing it because right he notices all the breaks in reality because he's outside of reality, kind of in and of himself, right? He experiences his own. Yeah, um, but even but... he forgets because there's that page mm-hmm. where the bat signal disappears, signal. And, yeah. and it's not like it's just turned off. Like the circle of where it would be is still yeah. there, but it's just empty. It's like the the symbol's mm-hmm. been erased from his mind. So even he's starting to forget things. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. yeah, he's noticing these differences and stuff. Uh, and then the fun bit at the end is that he escapes from jail after they arrest him by slipping through the hole that the he hole makes. The hole in reality. Yeah, the yeah. hole in reality that he makes with Renee Montoya's mind. <laughs> yeah. Which is a very big concept to try and wrestle with, but uh, he's happy yeah. he, got, he got his pizza. It's it's not what even um, there's a bit where it shows Batman like fighting some thugs and he's mm-hmm. like blanked out as well in the same style as the bat signal. Just mm. It's just that white outline. Yep. Yeah, uh, so it's interesting. It, it certainly, I think it does tie into the main story and the idea that they are trying to remove Batman from Gotham, but and not just like kill him, but actually erase right. his existence. Yeah, right. That's the whole thing that we go to right, is Batman as an idea, right? And that's how they can get rid of the idea of Batman. 
right? What what fills in that void? And it seems to be nothing, right? It, it creates a hole. So, uh, yeah. well, I, yeah. never, I haven't even thought of it this way, but literally the signal without the symbol does look like just a hole in the sky. Mm-hmm. It's almost visually just yeah. representing that. That is, that yeah. is kind of neat, actually. Uh, yeah. And yeah. the art for this backup is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the colors especially uh, really just it's, make this work. There's a lot it's of... It's not the same... Sorry? I was going to say, it's a, there's a uh, lot of layouts here where it uses Ten-Eyed Man's hands as like the, uh-huh. the framing device I to split the panels. I almost want to print all these pages out and like arrange them. I, I feel like they'd, like they'd just flow really nicely together with all the, like, yeah. the way the hands come out of the edges of the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm looking through. It, it's not, The first page isn't like that, but every page after... Uh, pretty much, probably up until yeah, pr- up until the jail cell until scenes, he's in the cage, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. are all framed using his hands to like make the, the layouts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, is this the same artist that did the the Arkham uh, I book? Think so. I don't think so. It feels very it feels very similar. So uh, you know the hard lines and just no, the, the wasn't... odd angles. Wait, what what Arkham book are you talking about? Because like the story with uh, Ten Eye Man before that... was definitely more. Abstract yeah. in its art. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It was the the Dan Waters. No, that book. was that was was that not Danny? Okay, so that, that sounds right. Yeah, it was, okay. it was, it was this, Danny. I've just found it. This is good art, but it's way more yeah. normal looking. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It seemed very familiar, and I think maybe that's what stylistically. It's, stylistically, it's still taking its cues from that. Um, yeah. Like it, it definitely feels like it's supposed to be spiritually, just you know, of straight that. on from that book. Right. Okay. Um, I was, I couldn't remember off the top, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But the layouts are, are I really like. You know, making the like all the action happening in between the fingers on that one page. You know. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. What we rate in Detective Comics then, Connor? I'll give it an eight point five. It's a great. Issue. Matt. Hey, eight point five for me too. <laughs> Okay, fine. Eight point five. I guess I'll I'll just agree with the the, the team. Uh, all Peer right. Pressure. Very good. Action <laughs> Comics one thousand fifty seven. Philip K. D. Johnson rating with Rafa Sandoval on the art. So, um, this starts off with a kind of a sweet little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Superman just having lunch with. Uh, a construction worker. It's that classic shot of you know the skyscrapers with the builders out in the the beams having their lunch. Here, here's my thing. Let's take a break from comics and be like, how does one walk out onto the beam and just sit like that and have lunch? Like I know <laughs> the famous picture, right? But I always imagine that they were already sitting and they picked it up to get the picture, right? But here it seems like this dude just walked out there. Maybe when when you're friends with Superman. You know that if you if you fall, oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if, you, if right? you're there, like if you're up there all day anyway, you just get used yeah. to it. Maybe I don't know, man. I just feel like you know what one strong bit of wind when you're up that yeah. high. I feel like yeah. it <laughs> makes me nervous thinking about it, and it's not real. You yeah. know, like, like the yeah. amount of times I like stumble in the street and don't actually fall down, but almost do. Mm-hmm. The thought of like that happening it's a bit embarrassing for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really embarrassed about it, but okay. Uh, nice try, Connor. Uh, but you it know, be. but when you're up there that high, like, like that stumble could be just instant death. Like, That's it. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole thing. But yeah, so he's sitting at lunch, and he's like, hey, you don't have to keep checking up on me, you know. Like, I'm staying out of trouble. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, because he's, he's also asking advice about his kid because he's, 
he's struggling because his kid's in trouble for stealing some money and right. superman encourages him and says no like because of your history you're the perfect dad for this situation you've actually got experience with the consequences you can talk to him about this and i'm not checking up on you i'm just having lunch with a friend like i'm not you know making it's sure so... you're keeping it out of trouble yeah uh, philip Kennedy johnson's really good at this like aspect of superman being everybody's best friend you know just with his whole presence and the way that he talks and there's no condescension ever from clark you know um even when we get later when, to the to the main plot um and it's just he, he's really good at clark's voice yeah, this is a, a very strong conceptual issue because this is just a little intro. Lois sort of yells for him and she's very upset and angry. Uh, not in like a, a proper angry, but in like a stressed at my job, get here now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it turns out because they've got an opportunity. Uh, when he comes in, he finds out that the leader of the Blue Earthers has offered to come in and do an interview. And they're debating whether or not they should. But Lois's ultimate argument is that well if we say no because we don't want to give them a platform then some other paper or tv channel will do it and they'll just softball them at least if we do it we can try and keep some journalistic integrity and ask the hard questions uh but they specifically said they want this interview to be with clark kent which immediately is you know raises raises an eyebrow like okay what do they know yeah yeah (laughs) so they don't seem to question that like Lois and Clark don't seem to They don't, no. Them. No. No. Uh, but certainly as the as the interview goes on and this young, basically teenage girl comes in uh, mm-hmm. for the interview, I, and the fact that there's what looks like some kryptonite on her bracelet was making me think, okay, you know that Clark is Superman somehow. Uh, yeah. there, there's, there's knowledge here. But most of this issue is this interview, and my favorite thing about it is this running thing as the interview is going on where... Clark and his narration, he doesn't say anything else in his narration for this entire scene pretty much, except just the word lie whenever she lies, which is basically everything she says. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's checking her vitals, you know, to, doing the human lie detector, well, Kryptonian lie detector Yeah, thing. You've got this the thing in the art where there's like these strips going across her face and mm-hmm. like chest, and you can see like the x-ray vision in these strips, so you can see her heart beating and you can see mm-hmm. like like her skull and the pulse yeah Yeah, it's it's great it's it's really good stuff the art here is really solid like sandoval has always been a solid kind of house style kind of guy um Mm -hmm. but i I think this is out a little here like this like he's really heavy i don't don't know if it's just whoever's doing the inks Mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's sandoval doing those as well i haven't checked um it is yeah it's really heavy inks compared to Mm -hmm. what i usually associate with him Mm. uh which makes it feel considerably, you know, darker and a little bit different than than his stuff used to, and which, less house style. I think fits yeah. the tone because we're dealing with this hate group and like we're trying yeah. to have, we're trying to basically have a serious debate. And you know, this girl has all the right answers. She lies about not knowing the people who tried to bomb the steelworks building, not knowing John, who's been looting and rioting and all these things. It's it's all, the art's almost a little Perkins esque. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks. Mm-hmm. I can tell it's different, but yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's, it's, that. it's leaning more towards that than than his usual house style. Yeah, and that might just be because of the heavy inks too, adding those shadows that we like that Perkins plays with. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So basically, she's trying to spin this idea that uh, aliens are a threat, and even tries to spin when Clark sort of asks about you know some innocent aliens have been murdered. She tries to spin that. Does it count as murder if it's not a human? 
And I'm like, well, ma'am, you can murder an animal, so yes, it does count mm-hmm. as murder. <laughs> so, so she's I, like, I, murder? I the, her, the, presumably her argument is legally, right? Legally, is, is it murder? Yeah. Because yeah, murder, but, but murder is one human killing another, right? It, well, it's so, presumably so her, her, argument is, her, her argument is the charge should read animal cruelty. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, basically, yeah, because what they're saying, what she's saying is she's dehumanizing these people. And this is what happens when one group creates a concept of the other and that, you know, they're not the same as you. We're going to take everything that's away. So, you know, she's she says here, murder of world refugees, murder something human beings do to one another. Right. And, um, you know, let's say an intelligent alien life form crashes in my home. Something monstrous with no vital signs we know how to measure. If I destroy it, is that murder? And Clark is like, yeah, no, it is. You know, yeah, yes, um, yes, it's 100%. just, it's it's just the this whole thing that you know propaganda, right? She's just spewing all this stuff, and you know, she knows it's not true, and Clark knows it's not true. But the people that are going to be listening to this, right? She she's making an argument, and you know, some dumb person might be like, oh yeah, no, I can kill aliens because they're not people. You know, it doesn't yeah. count. It is, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, yeah, it's dehumanizing what they're seeing as the enemy and making right? people okay with, even if they don't get involved themselves, making them okay with not raising a fuss. And like, yeah, oh, they're desensitizing yeah. people to this too, right? Because they're, you know, Superman stands for compassion towards others, right? That's what all of War World was. And now, if, if you break that down and you don't have to have compassion for these War World refugees because they are the quote unquote other. You know, her her job's already done, yeah. you know, in the minds she, of certain people. She even brings up Superman at one point, and, yep. you know, obviously it's interesting. I think the art does a good job of, like, playing with Clark's reaction to those statements. Yeah. You know, because he, he... looks yeah. nonplussed, you know, yeah. like... He just, like, the entire time, he plays it just, like, dead stare ahead. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just keep it cool, keep it professional. Yeah. And in the other I room, mean, you've got Lois being like, this was a mistake. What What the hell? Yeah. Well, I think that's what makes that look, is that we can project our, our emotions onto Clark here, right? Because when it cuts back to Lois talking about it's made a mistake, like, I'm looking at him. It's not just a dead stare. It, it's He's disapproving, you know? Yeah. But but that's just because I'm projecting, you know, what I think Superman feels into this, right? So I think that's really, really good work on, on both yeah. Kennedy Philip Kennedy Johnson and Sandoval. But it also adds to that idea of, like, she. I think she knows who he is because I think she's mm-hmm. prodding him intentionally with those questions, yeah. or those statements, I should mm-hmm. say. Even, even when she comes in, it's like, ah, you, you always seem to know when people are lying. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you're really yeah. good at reading people. I'm There's good at my always job. just these little bits that are like, yeah. yeah. So this is most of the issue, and honestly, I think it's quite right that it takes up a whole issue. I think this feels like a big deal yeah. that we meet this character who's behind this group, and we mm-hmm. treat it with this severity. There is a bit of action at the end with our, our assistant... There's- uh, Even before it gets that, just bef- yeah. before she leaves, um, you know, she says, "Oh, you know, this this world is my home too," and yeah. he looks round and does the lie detector thing, and it doesn't say lie, but the heart rate, or you know, the, you know that it's been monitoring before, it's it's really going. Which, uh, so I'm yeah. assuming that that was a lie. You know, she, he he doesn't say it, but the uh, the, the visuals seem yeah. in line with that. Uh, so yeah. like, and then when we what, see what, what, what her, I, I think the assistant's previ- doing. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think the, the previous like entire scene has trained us to basically read that final moment where he's detecting her without giving us the narration. I think that's kind of the... But I yeah. think by not giving us it, it does leave a little bit of wiggle room to sort of interpret exactly what it's saying. But I, I would also agree it feels like it's she's lying, but, you know, maybe it's more she's telling the truth, but there's like a... 
a caveat to it. Or, like, or then it, it does spin that maybe he's not reading her right at all. And if yeah. that is true, what else, you know, was not a lie yeah, that, that yeah. she did say. Yeah. Okay, I was, I was going to say, so when, when her, the, the, her bodyguard comes in and attacks Clark, right? Um, it's all kind of the swirl. It's almost magic esque. So when she says this is her world, maybe, maybe not this dimension, maybe earth is hers, but maybe she's from, elsewhere mm. right could be you know so because it doesn't strike me as science or anything because by by the end uh, of the fight this guy is taking on superman's form um yeah so this is, this is not your usual kryptonite because obviously it has no. the green glow effect but yeah. this is right. not just a standard kryptonite yeah thing. basically right. he, he jumps he throws clark out the window clark lands on the ground and he's he says you're feeling weak aren't you so it, and it definitely implies that clark's mm-hmm. maybe not got all of his powers right now or is diminished yeah. and this guy then looks like superman but with green glowing eyes and that's the cliffhanger yeah so because he says too he says this is your fault you know we might never have come here if not for you and your meddling yeah right so I, there's there's some stuff going says, on you know, here. It says, oh, you're going to show you know, what happens when you put your faith in a monster. It's it's clear he's not here to, to kill Clark right now. It's no. to ruin Superman's reputation, yeah, he's to ruin go, his image. He's going to go do a bunch of bad things looking like Superman yeah. to make people not trust them. Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah, it's an interesting direction to take it. And we've this been is... build, building up these Blue Earthers for a little bit. Yeah. Sorry, I wish Cyborg Superman would come in and get mad because that's his thing. <laughs> I make Superman look bad. You guys don't make Superman look bad. Yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting yeah. to maybe see like the 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 public opinion of like the people arguing on his defense, saying though there's something yeah. wrong it could, that couldn't have been him, or maybe it's so mm-hmm. severe whatever he does that it does start to convince people who would normally stick up for Superman. Mm-hmm. Be, be curious to see how how much of a, an effect this has mm-hmm. uh, going forward. It could really put to test all the trust that Superman's built over his his years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, that's uh, that's good. Uh, we have a couple backups. Uh, we have the Dan Jurgens Lee Weeks uh, continuation. This is the the John's been kidnapped by the alien princess and wants Clark to do something for her. And meanwhile, Doombreaker's still in a bubble at the farm. Yeah. The fact that Doombreaker's been in a bubble now for like four parts of the story is get. Is, I mean, obviously he's out by the end of this one, but it's just it makes it all feel a bit comical. Well, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wish the Jurgens would just tell a full story and just end things here instead of seeding stuff for later, right? Because, like, I don't know. Like, this started off being okay, like, when it was John, you know, putting his trust into somebody that, that you know, betrayed him. But, yeah, doing Breaker in that, in that bubble for a while, I don't know. I just... I'm, I'm kind of checked is, out on yeah. this. I yeah. kind of end up, like, flicking through because I really like the Lee Weeks art with the, the Brian mm-hmm. Weiser colors. It looks great. And I just end up flinging through, but like, I kind of don't care about what's actually happening anymore. Yeah, I don't really care that much. And I was really kind of surprised, because this is part seven, I thought, oh, this is going to be the end of the story. But by the end of this yeah. part, it's actually setting up more stuff. Now, now the alien princess has got Doombreaker to fight for her. Well, I mean, she's not convinced him of that yet, but she's got him like strapped to a table. Uh, yeah, and, and that she has someone she's clearly working with because her parents are like, she couldn't have done this by herself. And then that's where Doom Doombreaker gets transported yes. into her ship. So they're setting up like a like another villain who's like so probably someone we're going to know when when it turns yeah. out who it is. Uh, would be the thing, yeah. and probably uh, from someone from that era of the nineties, right? Because where Jurgens is really pulling from, yeah, you know, the whole Death of Superman type vibe. But but yeah, 
it was I don't know I, I just kind of want him just to tell a full story I don't I don't need like this to be each each part you know it's very serialized in that way normally I don't mind but like you know it, it's John in that in uh, in that cell has also seemed to last a while you know I mean part of it's because we've not had action comics in two months and part of it is yeah. just that these like short 10 to 12 page segments yeah. we get every month just make everything mm-hmm. feel really drawn out so I, I, yeah. yeah it's just been kind of a frustrating they're, like, read. they're kind of ind- individually they're paced pretty well mm-hmm. like each chunk doesn't feel like i'm getting a really short chunk as i'm reading it yeah but it, i think it's paced fine as a you know as a backup it's just collectively as a whole it feels a little bit slow mm-hmm. yeah so and i'll be feeling that uh, so there's a new backup at the end, which I did not read uh, for two reasons. First of all, the, <laughs> the first panel was a huge speech bubble saying, Connor, which I, I was like, oh God, no. Uh, it's orange as well, might I point out. Uh, yeah. And then secondly, uh, I looked took one look at Superboy's haircut and went, you know what? I can't do this. <laughs> I'm good. I, I read it just because I'd seen some spoilers on twitter about this and i wanted to see the context for myself oh is it just the spoilers ah i mean i don't think so i i mean spoilers in the sense of it's it's connor and his relationship with mcgann which is so it's canonized that relationship from young justice Justice. for the first time all right uh, which which is cool like look i like connor kent there's a whole bit on the show back at the beginning years yes right I like a very specific version of Connor Kent. This whiny, I don't know who I am. It was something that I got past in, in Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah. And and he he knew who he was. Them backpedaling there, he started to become one of my least favorite members of the of the super family. Like Power Girl has already pushed, pushed past. Like, oh, it's oh, juicy. It's so juicy. Emo, emo Connor is not for me. I like, I like, you know, self-doubt Connor would be fine. Like, I'm, but him just being like, I don't know who I am. I always have to be something to everybody else. And I'm tired of being in Superman's shadow. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't like emo Connor. I don't like sad Connor. I don't like depressed yeah. Connor. I don't like, uh, I don't know, annoying Connor. I mean, I would also add some positive versions in, but there's no such thing as happy Connor or like no, because like or... John's John's Teen Titans got to a point that after the the insider stuff when which references in here right when he's you know there's some pages where he's talking about he doesn't know who you know he is you know they they reference that where he shaves his head because he's half Luther and stuff um, and I just like even in the Bendis stuff him spending time on Gym World and having a family. And like that was all positive character progression, and now we're just going back here to the annoying Connor that I just, I just don't like. And and you know I think that's the goal here is we're supposed to think because what ends up happening is that he goes to to Miss Martian, and he lets her in to his mind to feel you know to show what how he's been feeling, and and you know it's this whole thing that he always feels like. He's always been in Superman's shadow because he was meant to be a replacement Superman. And to him, that's all he's been. Um, and so as he starts having this freak out that is he's supposed to be Superboy his whole life, she kind of tries to pull him out and to calm him down. And he gets pissed 
that you know she saw all this and he gets embarrassed and yells Even at her he invited her in to see it right and he because i thumbed through this before i read it just to see if i you know want to finish it um and I just thought like, oh, maybe she had invaded and that's something he didn't. But no, he invites her and he, you know, we're, we're supposed to believe that he's the, you know, the emo kid here. And I don't know. I just I don't like this direction. It comes down to it. it's not it's not particularly, you know, poorly written and the art looks fine. I just the characterization like I'm tired of my young justice peeps getting assassinated here. I just I feel that Connor's yeah. story has basically just always been the same and it's kind of what you were just saying is we keep going mm -hmm. back to i don't know my place in the world i'm just kind of in yes. superman shadow it's just been that every time it's it's the yeah. same thing with red hood and like the whole yeah. like oh bruce i want to kill you won't let me kill why didn't you save me bruce yeah. like you know it's the, right and, and when on. we have like jason it's because he's moved on from that and he's almost you know uh, a little bit of spoilers for the Batman Catwoman story is he's almost doing stuff just to be a thorn in Bruce's side, you know, because of, of this type of stuff. It's not always um, done for the last decade. Right, but it's not about him wanting to kill or not. It's just like, Bruce, you're wrong. You know, listen to Selena this time. Like She kind of has stuff figured out, but if you're not going to listen, I'm I'm not going to be on your side. Having read you absolutely know? none of it, I'm willing to bet mm -hmm. Selena does not have stuff figured out. does. <laughs> She kind of, she kind of does a little bit, but maybe there's, there's some stuff that bigger picture, maybe not. But mm. in the present moment, stuff's working out. Um, but yeah, the, the, when we like Jason and stuff, it's, it's for those moments where he goes beyond that, like, oh, Bruce won't let me kill him, the black sheep of the, the Bat family, you know. Um, no, it's because you want to kill is why you're the black sheep of the Bat family. Right. <laughs> and smart writers figure that out, and they don't bring it back up. And here, I just feel like. With Superboy, you know, we can coexist right now. We've we've two Supergirls active right now, right? We have we have Power Girl, and we have Kira, and you know, they're both unique, but neither of them are doing the I don't want to be in Clark Shadow. They're both have their own wants and needs, you know, and it's just so you can have multiple Super family members, and we don't have to constantly do this, right? Like. It's just it's very frustrating as a as a Connor Kent fan, and and him yelling at Ma Kent like I know it's supposed to be out of line, but man come on, that lady that lady's done done so much like don't don't take out your little teenage stuff on her, young man I don't know, it's just a bummer. How was that? It's like seeing Miss Martian. The phrasing this episode has been something else. <laughs> yeah. Don't take out your Sorry. little teenage thing on Ma Kent. Yeah, his little teenage rage. But yeah, so I just, I wish that the backups were, were consistently good because it always feels like the action ones are always lagging behind yeah. other backups, you know? Uh, and, and, the you know, ones have been pretty solid. Yeah, the technical ones have been pretty solid, part. but like, the power, the power girls, the power girl ones are pretty decent, I feel, you know, so we are in a kind of good, but then the Jurgen zone was kind of, eh, but, but yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, just fix Connor, please. Let's get him to a, a point. I mean, I guess that goes for all of Young Justice at this point too, because what's what's Tim doing right now? What's Cassie doing right now? You know, Bart. You know, we'll we'll get to Bart in a few, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, DC, fix them. Or just don't bother using them that much. That's fine. Too. Here's the thing: Didio spent 15 years ruining them. 
True. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to get them back to a usable state. And we, we, you know, since the start True. of Rebirth, we have rehabilitated a lot of things at DC, mm-hmm. um, but just obviously not everything. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what we rate in Action Comics as a whole then, Connor? Uh, I'm going to give it an. <sighs> Main story would have been an 8.5. I'm going to break it down to an 8, including that backup that I read that was not too hot. Hmm. Connor? Oh, Matt, sorry. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, so so I, I'm going to wait, just because of the Connor stuff down at, at the bottom really, really upset me. Um, but the, the main story would have been an 8.5, right? The Jurgen story is eh. So that's going to get pulled down to 7.5. Yeah. I think my attitude when it comes to these backups is that. Like, if I want to just ignore them and rate the main story and pretend they don't exist, I'll do mm-hmm. that if I feel the main story is worth the praise. Uh, yeah. And it probably helps that I didn't read the Connor one. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I will. I think I'll still say 8.5 just because I actually. Like, I'm just focusing really on the main story, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not really even thinking about the backups. Uh, mm-hmm. So, there you go. That's Action Comics. The Flash, issue one, legacy number. 801, which is on the cover. I may actually work some of these other ones out and just say them on the show, because heck yeah. Sad bastard. Legacy numbers for the win, baby. So, uh, yes, The Flash. It's a size barrier with Mike Diodo mm-hmm. Jr. on the art. We've got a new Flash run as beginning. And um, we got a taste of this, and I think it was issue 800, we got like a little short story by this creative team mm-hmm. to sort of tease what it was like. So, stylistically, it's kind of what I was expecting. It's similar art style with the all the, mm-hmm. the boxes that have kind of the bleed-over boxes outside into there's the margins of, of the page. There's a lot of cut-up boxes. Our panels yeah. just split into into boxes. Not for, I'm not going to say for no reason, because there is a stylistic yeah. reason, but no, not, no functional reason. Yeah. Uh, but it does create a, a vibe and a look. The, the, even in the first page, the way that kind of Bart overlaps one of the breaks, but then Max doesn't, but then his speech bubble overlaps the, the gap. Like, it sort of gives this sense of, like, three dimensions in a weird way, but the way it's sort of bouncing backwards and forwards. It's interesting that them. sometimes they're behind the, the bar and other times they're above. Like, it's really inconsistent. Yeah. Well, I think that I think the point of that is to give it the sense of movement. It does, yeah. yeah. I, I, that, so there's a purpose to it. Uh, so the basic gist of this is that the speed force is starting to go a bit wonky. Uh, there's something happening with it. And one of the big ideas that's brought up here, uh, and there's a really good scene that kind of shows this, is that Mr. Terrific tries to talk to Wally about the speed force. And Wally just kind of shrugs everything off as, ah, you know, it's you know speed force magic-y stuff, whatever. You know, it just works. I, I feel it in my bones. I know it's... Speed, speed force, bro. Speed... I ain't got to explain shit. That basically... Yep. And Mr. Terrific took that personally, <laughs> basically, where he he throws his phrase back at him at the end of the conversation, but he's basically explaining, you know, scientifically, I need to try and figure this out. We need to understand what it's doing and what, what problems it's causing and why it's happening. And so I, I think at least this first arc feels like we're going to really be delving into, uh, like, the speed force as a concept and maybe treat it as something a bit more than just oh, it's this force that can let us do all these magic-y things without much explanation. So we'll see, we'll see what he does with that uh, over the course of it. But that is the basic gist, as well as Linda struggling being uh, not just like a, a mum again with a new baby, but the idea that she had superpowers for like six months and was doing all these things 
at super mm-hmm. speed and is now struggling with basically almost like PTSD and it's, or maybe postnatal uh, depression. Post, yeah, it's postpartum. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I read it. Uh, but I think that's like multiplied by the fact that she was doing like she she, she literally says she wrote like five books when she was pregnant because she had the powers to, to go to go mm-hmm. quickly and now she's waiting around feeding the baby and like that's getting to her. So that's the other big plot point of this this issue. We'll get to the other stuff. Uh, how do we feel about this? Connor, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, as soon as I I did 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 tease some thoughts on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm disappointed in this book. Oh, me too. This is the one. I, <laughs> there are parts of it that I liked. Right. I, I like all the ideas, but yeah, oh, I, it's so, so dense. The execution. Well, there's that, and like, there's just a lot going on for an intro. Also, right? Um, Mr. Terrific, possibly the smartest man in the DC universe, mm-hmm. has to be gone. Hey, remember ped maths? Basic maths, bro. Like, what? Yeah, I That's just so think confused. those I, also I, meant to. I didn't even know if that was meant to be Mr. Terrific in that scene at first, because I was like, that can't be, surely. Yeah. And there's a page later where, where oh, you know, Wally walks in, and then it's like, it, it, it is, it is him. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that completely baffled me. The idea that, that who's who's he talking to there? It's some random know. person, it's, right? It's, it's mysterious. That it's it's this guy right. in like a big kind of white hat. Um, he, uh, terrific calls him Inspector. He's got like a cowl on, like almost like like Batman esque cowl over most of his face. Yeah, but we never see it. It never addresses that he's there. Wally never acknowledges him. He just hides in a corner. He also has a big white hat as well, as well as the. I, I did say the big white hat. Yeah, yeah. That was like the first thing I said. Aye, but then he said he's only from the future, right? This is what I'm getting. From, I mean, yeah, yeah. I definitely get the vibe that he's from the future. Maybe even used and, to be a speedster or something, and knows that which, the speedster's right. existence okay. is going to. And you, know, okay, you, you want to tell me this guy can correct Mr. Terrific's maths? Like, okay, I, I can get on board with that. If you want to, yeah. if you want to use that as a benchmark of how smart he is. But to go, hey, no, you you forgot, uh, like like the stuff you learn when you're like I wish, thirteen. I, I wish Sizeri had taken like he just talked to an actual mathematician. And go, hey, how would a really smart person forget? It wouldn't have been PEMDAS, right? It, you know, it would have been, it would have been anything else, like, you know. Yeah, like it's so so basic, yeah. right? That is yeah. like, like it's that's like middle of high school sort of level yeah. of like that ev- everyone is, knows. On social media, they'll put up those quizzes, right, where people will be like, "Is uh, this yeah. what number is this?" And you always get the idiots arguing in in the comments of what it Cause, is because they don't follow. Yeah, right, um, right. Which is fine. Put, it's it's annoying the, watching those people DC's be wrong, but it's fine. Third, yeah, the DC's third smartest man shouldn't be one of those guys. That's missing that, especially when he's off by point four. It wasn't like point zero 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 four, right? It says he's off by zero point four. Yeah, that's pretty big in in math. Because because yeah, like it, it, I, I genuinely when I was reading this, I was like, is this Mister Terrific? Because he because he's he's in his mm-hmm. his civvies for the start of right. the scene, and I was questioning maybe it's someone else, and I'm just misreading. It, it you know that that it's meant to be him. It, it does yeah. say Mr. Holt at one point, but I'm like maybe maybe I'm misreading it somehow well, because this is moronic. And maybe this is Sizeri tipping his hand that that it's not going to be a purely intelligence mathematical type thing, 
right? Because at the beginning, what I do like is that intro with Bart and, and Max Mercury, right? That all oh, the different hang, names. Before, of, before we move on to something else, I just I haven't said anything mm-hmm. about this scene yet. Oh. I could not give a shit about any of this, and you two oh, have went on for like five minutes. Because I don't it's care. So wildly out of character. I don't care. No, no. We, no we I feel like if, on if we're gonna get character assassination, Mister Terrific, Ca- character assassination wrong is, so, is oh. character assassination. Look, the yes. way the way the way the character says sorry clearly indicates that he's being condescending as he says it. Right. So I just kind of take it is not even so much that this is actually this is exactly why he's wrong just this is what how he's poking at him to to, to prod him i don't know it just i i just i don't care even if it's exactly the way you say it is yeah i just don't care i don't care no, no but here's the thing if you're gonna fill up your book with a bunch of scientific technical jargon like he does in the next page <laughs> with the different like the different models of the universe. Like you can tell that Spurrier has done some research to bring to the book. Just, I don't know, get that other one right for the third smartest man in DC. That's all, you know, I feel like Brainiac messing that up. It just doesn't, doesn't compute. But now let me go back to the the part that I do like from the beginning where I think this book's going to go. My main problems with this is there's so much going on and I, you know, it, it's sometimes I would just get lost in all the wording, right? And it sometimes it feels like a novel, and my brain would 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 wander, right? Instead of keeping it going, and I don't know if I want that in a flashbook, right? I like my flashbooks to be more kinetic, and you can tell a, a, a deep story still, but like weighing it down with all these words, I, I don't it's know. So much. Uh, there's, um, there's also that. Um... There's a page while the kids are getting ready. Uh, I, th- I think it's while she's starting to do the the, the breastfeeding at that point in the morning, yeah. and it gets to just here's some just a block of text on either yeah. side of a panel in the middle. They're not even in a text box anymore or an erasure box. Just here's like yeah. four paragraphs. Have I? Yeah, no, it's definitely dense. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to um, argue that. But I think but, I like this well, more than you guys did because I yeah. I don't really feel like there's so much going on. Everything feels connected to me, so I didn't really have that overwhelming idea. No, I feel idea. like, th- yeah, everything's connected. It's not that. It's just there's there's a lot. There's a lot going on with the the whole idea that the speed force is broke, right? There's something up, but I feel like what what they're doing here with the introduction of of Max Mercury and all the different names he's gone by and like how he has constantly been able to go right is because he ascends and he uses the speed force to do this and that it's almost as if and Pete's gonna hate this because the Star Wars and stuff it's kind of like the concept of the force where the force. Yeah, George tried to make it with midichlorians and it's this biological thing. But at the end of the day, the Force exists because you believe in the Force, right? There is that one panel where he says, I am one with the Speed Force, and it was yeah. straight out of the, the, the two from Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah Chirrut Yeah. Yeah. Donnie Yen. And so, yeah. like, just the idea of the, for- the Force, the Speed Force, <laughs> as this philosophical thing, and that's why, like, that's why... Mr. Terrific feels like there's something wrong with it because it isn't scientific. It is this kind of thought form that changes and adapts to the people that are using it, right? And so for Max, it's this thing that he attains enlightenment for. But for for Wally, it is this battery that allows him to, you know, be a hero and whatnot. And so I like all of that stuff. It's just the the in-between that we get going on. 
there's I think a lot. The idea that Wally and the other speedsters have been sort of tapping into it without ever really understanding mm-hmm. how it works or what damage they might be causing mm-hmm. by using it as heavily as they do is an mm-hmm. interesting concept to go into. Um, yeah. I, I also, I really like the art. I think the other Dojo's art's really good. Yeah. I love, especially when it is moments like the, the like them speeding about the house and Linda like yelling at the kids and uh, the, the conversation around the couch and all that stuff. I love that series of panels where she's breastfeeding and I think Wally's like running around getting the kids ready so there's like the lightning's all around her, but it's kind of visualizing this, how she feels like she's standing still and being surrounded mm-hmm. by all this stuff. I think there's a lot of smart stuff going on here. It's definitely a very different feel to a flashback. It does feel like something, you know, uh, it, it feels like something that maybe, I'm not saying it feels like his writing, but it feels like something that maybe tonally that Tom King would write about another character. And we're doing kind of that with Wally West and The Flash. And while it's not the first tone or anything like that I would think of when it comes to The Flash, I do think it's a good idea to mm-hmm. sort of vary up every once in a while. And this does mm-hmm. feel quite refreshing after, you know, like the relatively consistent tone Flash has had for a while. Certainly, um, obviously, there's been different teams and different runs since the start of Rebirth 2, really, overall. But I would say that tonally, it, it was pretty similar across both of them. It was kind of a vibe it goes for. Yeah. This feels like it's doing something a little bit different, um, which I kind of appreciate. I, I, I do think it is a bit wordy. Um, I do think there's a weird panel where Mr. Terrific seems to magically turn into his outfit. Yeah, I was yeah. questioning that as well. I'm like, I, I, nanotech? I, that's but what I'm assuming. It, I'm assuming this might be... It's a, a jacket. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm assuming this might be some like tech that he's got that transformed the outfit, but it doesn't show it well enough to make it clear that that's what's happening. It, it, just... it literally doesn't... Um, I, I just happened to actually get that page up right now. It doesn't actually show anything. It's, it's one panel. He's normal. The very next panel, uh, it's superhero outfit there is no yeah. transition whatsoever it's, it's it's very very weird it almost feels that like a mistake was made in the art and they just it was too late to correct it or something um but do you get the sense that wally's having these little flashes where he's like sort of like seeing nightmarish things that are coming from the speed force and he's downplaying it but there's this mm-hmm. warning of the uncoiled are coming which obviously pays off at the end the, the big thing plot wise that's going on outside of all this is that grod and an army of gorillas uh all with like tech uh you know on them uh have been attacking places and then seemingly people are being abducted into these bubbles uh that are sort of freezing them in time and they're going somewhere so that's kind of the mystery that uh is there to be solved which is probably related to what's going on with the speed force but certainly it's presented as a slightly separate thing right now Um, and there's a speedster kid called chad as a spe- <laughs> that was a bit random at the end but we'll see where that goes but there was also a random speedster uh, early on in the first fight as the well indigo, not yeah. in- the indigo the yeah, indigo yeah i took that as the yeah the indigo streak was this chad guy yeah, yeah maybe the same guy yeah, i think so but it'll, yeah. i'm sure it'll tap they'll tap into that actually what the, like- the scene that i loved though uh, I loved the stuff with the kids at the school. I thought this was yeah. super interesting. Oh. I I loved the the family build. I love that this still seems to be keeping everything that was on the last run in continuity. Uh, so mm-hmm. you've got Maxine being Iray's like best friend at school, and even them teasing or hinting that uh, Maxine's got a crush on on Jay, and like so that so they're bickering and, kind and of Irie's thing. Iray's not handling it handling it well no no yeah. uh, and they also seem to have slightly aged up like not like a big jump but just like a sort of oh we're kind of about to get into that preteens age now stranger 
Yeah, they're, they're in Stranger Things season two. Yeah, well, age. I say that because there's a direct reference where she says that Maxine said she walked in on her brother once and he was doing something disgusting. And I thought, oh, we're kind of getting to that age where that's yep. becoming maybe a concern for them. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. So, so, so what was Jay doing in the dark room in the boiler room? Well, then? yeah, so the setup of this yeah. is that they're wondering where Jay is because he gets sent to the principal or whatever. And it's been a while. So they use their powers so that... Uh, Iray can sneak out and she speeds down to the basement where she can hear him in the next door and she comes in and he's got his shirt off and it's like he was talking to someone but he just kind of like doesn't tell her anything and then as they leave the spoiler room there's this little figure like this little silhouette of someone on the ground like someone small so who the hell is this? Is this some version of the Atom that he was talking to? Like I don't know what's going on here but I'm intrigued I'm intrigued by it I'll say that much. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm really frustrated because I like a lot of the ideas, and like that is presenting as like as as story beats. But man, it's just such a drag to read. Like it took me multiple yeah, attempts. Yeah, I, to I get don't agree this. with it being a drag. I think it is dense, and I think the fact that this was an oversized first issue did make it feel it felt longer even more than it would. I th- it took me three sentences to read this. I read it in one, and if I if this was only like the usual 20 pages, I think I would have just been fine. I, I think I'd have got to the end and be like, okay, that was obviously a more dense read than most books, but I, I did not have that much of a problem with this. I, I think there's some nitpicks to be had for sure, but I really like the art, and I like all the concepts it's playing with. You On won't it- even let us nitpick over Mr. Terrific Game Math Strong. I just, well, I mean, you can, I mean, you can nitpick, but you went on for five minutes. That was not a nitpick at that point. You, were, you literally said character assassination. That I is not a nitpick. Well, <laughs> you can't say something's a nitpick and then say it's character assassination. Those two things it, completely uh, oppose each other. Ah, uh, not if it's a character I don't care that much about. Then why are you whining about it so much? Because it's still not right. Oh, you. Like, if anything, the only thing that I, I'm I'm less excited about is Chad at the end and this <laughs> villain who is the coiled or one of the coiled that shows up at the very oh, end. Yeah, yeah, we see this I... big spiky looking alien looking dude. <laughs> yeah. I also, I don't, I don't know if I like the idea of the Speed Force being this alien thing, right? Maybe it's just, just something that they share because we, we did have that, uh, what were they called, in, in the, the Minute War. Mm-hmm. Um, we had them that they they would use the speed force for other things too. So I mean, but th- this feels like it's another another dimensional type being, and that that's yeah. You that, know. This feels like maybe not that they created the speed force, so maybe they'll go down that no. route. But I'm thinking of this like Connor will get this reference more than you, Matt. But uh, mm-hmm. like something like something at Mass Effect till the expands where you discover something that some other race that's ancient built the, yeah. the tech. I'm wondering if we're, we're going to do something here where, no, there was mm-hmm. this species in another dimension or whatever it is that yeah. originally used the speed force and the speedsters are have been tapping into they, it too they much. They lived there before. Yeah. 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 So I, I could see them going down something like that route. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think the ending's quite sudden and, you know, someone, just calling your character Chad's just not a, a good idea. But all, I mean, all on that, I actually quite like most of this issue. I, I, I mean, I'm definitely in for issue two at the very least. I oh yeah, look, I put up with a lot worse in flash books. Right? <laughs> oh like, oh yeah, I read in the dark. I read in the dark era of the New Fifty Two. Okay, um, this is not like again. Maybe it was a little harsh to say. I actively disliked it. Um, I think I mean, it just like Matt. I knew Connor was going yeah. to come in whining because yeah. i saw his tweet yeah. i knew he was going to yeah. whinge but it being I, wanted dense. To, I wanted to love this book because yeah. i really like 
some other spurrier stuff. I read a, I'm sure it was a spurrier book not long ago, where he did a full like four issues of a silent comic, and it was phenomenal. Four issues, no dialogue whatsoever. The the, the man can craft an amazing oh, story yeah. with a great artist, and 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 he, <laughs> there's this. I just don't think yeah. that dense is always bad. I mean, Wonder Woman number one last week was very dense, but, no, but there's, there's there's dense and flow. Like this has no flow to it. It's just. It's just walls of text it, is what it feels like. In times, it reminded me of Superman Lost, where he's, you know, okay. it's just going on about certain things way too long. I, I, you know? I mean, but I, again, there's, but there are germs there that I do enjoy, and I'm curious. I'm going to keep reading. Yeah. I, I, I like this more than that, for sure. Even yeah. so far, there's a page, it's right before the title page, where he's uh, getting interviewed. And it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, all these people asking him questions at once. And usually in those, it's spaced out. It's like, oh, you don't actually need to read all of these questions word for word because they're kind of just meant to represent, like, you know, the noise. But he's actually answering it. There is, like, a specific flow. In, and, and I owe you credit to the, the letterer. Uh, it's really clear which, you know, which direction is supposed to read what, you know, what reads when. Uh, well, there's so much of it just in this like two panels at the bottom of the page that, that it's just like and, and it's if that was the only instance it'd be like oh, okay whatever but it, it feels like that throughout like 50 percent of the book actually i'm glad you brought that page because there's a, a little tease here that we might that, just worth mentioning is that uh grod or one of the apes mentioned something about sorry to hear about the breakup now obviously mm-hmm. you hear that in this room couple breaking up and that's what the reporter mm-hmm. reads it as she's like oh are you single and he's like no i'm a family man and obviously Linda's not in a great place right now. And I'm not I, and I, I don't think this is necessarily building up to like the split up of no. Wally and Linda. I think that, but I think that, that tease is there because something is going to break up. Uh but clearly right. this is information from the future or something. Uh so I mean we'll see we'll see yeah, where that yeah. goes. But uh I, I honestly I read that as maybe like like he's physically breaking up, like his atoms oh, yeah. are like coming apart. Almost. Oh yeah, I can see that. I may be right. Uh That'd yeah. be really weird for him to, for some random ape to tell the Flash, sorry about your breakup. <laughs> yeah, about it makes him me... falling apart at the molecular level. Yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, it was Grodd, wasn't it? Not like just yeah. random ape. Yeah, it was Grodd by that point, yeah, because he's got oh, the... was Grodd? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Because he's got the different face thing on, doesn't he? Because they all have some tech on, but Grodd's got like, the, yeah. the visor thing. Uh, They've all yeah. got a visor, but Grodd's has like the, the bronze things going yeah, around yeah. it as well. He's got extra bits. Which I think it's just a simple art touch to him, so we always know that he's Grodd in the context of the scene. Right. Which is which is smart. Yeah. You know? Uh I love that title page, by the way. Uh with all the, the harsh purples and yellows and sort of the yeah, it's a nice page. the negative colour of like uh, the detail. It's very good. Um yeah. I don't know. I, I like that this is a, a slightly more moody flashback. I, I think I think the Adams run for the most part was designed to be like, okay, we need to give Wally happiness, so we're going to be a really happy run where there's never too many like serious threats. It's going to be about rehabilitating the family and making it happy fun times. This to me from issue one feels like, okay, we're continuing that continuity, but it's time to give him a serious story again where the stakes <laughs> might be high, you know? Let's give him some pain. Yeah, yeah. Well, superheroes need some pain sometimes. That's 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 okay. As long as they don't just completely nuke the character by ruining the entire dynamic, like, you know, if, if if by the yeah. end if by the end of this Linda's divorced them and like two of the kids are dead, then yes, we can give them shit for yeah. it. But right now, this is all right. This is just we might as well just call him Peter Parker at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reading yeah. Spider Man for you know the last seventy years or whatever it's been at the sixty years probably. Yeah. Uh, 
it just must be such a depressing thing because they just keep going yeah. back. Everything I hear specifically about this current run is, ooh, not good. Really yeah, not good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm still going to just ruin the fact that uh, Connor saying that Mr. Terrific didn't remember PEMDAS's character assassination. That, that's going to go up there with the Joker cross. Put it, put it on a t-shirt. Yes. Uh, by the I, way, I, I think Comics Twitter will have my back on that. For the record, I actually was never taught that phrase to remember no, that we did, uh We did Bodmas, I think it was. I don't even really? think we had a phrase like that. I mean, I had that. I had acronyms for other things. We had Sokotoa for, you know, trigonometry, and we had... I think we did... I think Bob Mass was, you know, brackets, order, division, multiplication. Yeah. Uh, the... Um, addition, subtraction. And then music, of course, for the notes. It was every good boy deserves females, was the... How you remember the lines? Got us thinking. In, 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 in England, it was uh, football, not females. Uh, well, I think it was football at first. It was Scotland versus England. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone said females is better, so then we just stuck to that. <laughs> Sounds a bit incelly, doesn't it, when you say females like that? Uh, well, yeah, but F doesn't stand for women or girls, so you have no, to go. It does with stand it. for football. And then the spaces were face, if I remember correctly. Yeah, face. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, for us it was please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. That's what uh, you remembered the them going. So yeah, those are the ones for, for all, all the string instruments as well for what order mm -hmm. they were in. Like they, they've all got a little acronym for them. Oh yeah, but yeah, no. Um, again, I, I've gone through worse parts of the Flash. Uh, this is this is just a speed bump, if you will. Because um, I'm so good to keep reading. It's not, again, I like the ideas enough and I like certain things, but yeah, it was, it felt like a chore at uh, points. It's honestly like, I, if if I'm, if I read the second issue as it comes out, great, I'll read it. If it gets to the point where I've got two or three of these to read at once, that's the point where I'm, uh, if it's, if, if I open up the second issue and it's still like this, that's the point where I don't know if I'll, if I'll have it in me to sit and read that much. All right, well, let's get to rating. Connor, what are you rating the Flash issue one? I'm going to have four. <laughs> Matt? I'm just going to go with a solid seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about that rate. It's absurd. Well, I'm giving it an eight, which, you know, yeah. and my scaling is an eight. <laughs> just Yeah, I, be I believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I argued my points just then. It makes sense that I gave it an eight. I, I, I'm mad scale, like... I, I, if it was lining up with either of ours, I, based on what he said, I can't see it being anything higher than like a five and a half or a six at most. At yeah. best. But no, no, it's a seven at least. But he listened to reason. He heard my points and he thought, you know what, Peter's onto something here. No, because again, it wasn't, again, I was probably too harsh saying I actually disliked it. But, you know, it wasn't, it didn't leave me with a great feeling. You know, it left me with an I, okay feeling. Like I'm and not seven is okay. I'm not putting seven is good. I'm not going to put stakes on this like landing the distance. You know, like the, like this could end up being a crappy run as time goes on. Like I have no way mm -hmm. of knowing that right now. But I think I like this issue and I think there's potential and promise here. Right? It's not mm -hmm. it's not flawless, but I mm -hmm. liked a lot in it. So give me more Max Mercury, please. Running into Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that fussed about Max Mercury, but I'll take him over Chad. Uh, yeah, Chad. I hope Chad the Speedster becomes a thing though, because it is so funny. <laughs> it's like the Brad Pitt character in, in Deadpool too. He'll never be the best, yeah. Chad. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, moving on. Green Arrow issue four. Joshua Wilson writing and Sean Isaacs on the art. 
So here's a book that we may all agree on the quality of, maybe? Possibly? It's, it's I have no right. idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> That's a fair request. I, I, mean, I get it. I, think, like... I, I vaguely remember Parallax Hal Jordan showing up at the end of the last issue. When I saw him yeah. here, I was like, oh yeah, I think that happened at the end of the last yeah, one. Yeah, um, and we're in the future, and then there's Brick in a club, and I'm like, oh, what are we yeah. doing? Well, yeah, Brick, Brick, Brick in the club's not in the future, though. That's it, in it's not, no, that's it's in the, the present. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we get... We get references to Zero Hour and Final Night and all this other stuff. Why? I don't know. Because Ollie is determined to break up the family because of something bad happening. Um, yeah, so Oliver in the future, or in a different timeline, or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. made a deal with this Parallax to keep his family apart because if they don't, there'll be another coast city, but in uh, Star City instead, right? And the end of this issue is our Oliver ends up in this post-apocalyptic star city, and then I think old future Oliver shows out up at the end because he's been there the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And he's grown old there. So that's the cliffhanger. But, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, uh, Dinah and uh, Roy. Roy are looking for information, and they go to the, the club and they talk to Brick. Yeah. Uh, and, well, more importantly, they're there to find Cheshire. Cheshire. Yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah, because it's uh Leon's her daughter too. And you know, because of timey wimey stuff, I just uh man, this is bums me out. As a, I, I love the Green Arrow section. They, they called her DC. They called her Jade, Jade. right? Which yeah. which obviously is, is Cheshire, but I I immediately like because of her outfit's kinda similar, I just immediately mm-hmm. thought of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> because <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I don't even like a Mortal Kombat guy. I don't play fighting games, yeah. but yeah, uh, they have yeah. in my head. Uh, uh, the art's still really, really good in this book. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, the solid, two-page yeah. fight between you know Ollie. Uh, Ollie and Hal being like you know with no powers and no bow. Just that sequence, just that's a lot of fun to read. Like uh, to shut your brain off and don't care about the story. Yeah. Fun to read. But the art of it is, it's a, it's a great little visual couple of pages. Yeah, like, yeah. the middle of this book is basically Parallax lets Hal Jordan see Dinah and Roy at the bar and get into a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not really there, he's just kind of like a ghost watching kind of thing. And so, you know, so we get some of the plot, but we also have, have this. Uh, Cheshire finds out that her, you know, that her kid's involved. Because I actually forgot yeah. about the other ones trapped in the future, because we eventually go to the Legion of Superheroes, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Connor Hawk and in uh shoes right yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 obviously leanne but shoes is a more fun right. name uh but i and i'm like oh yeah legion and they're they're talking about stuff and the whole thing here is like, oh we can't travel through time that's illegal but then they point out well someone's already messing up the timeline by traveling so shouldn't you travel to arrest them and stop them and it's like I'm like, yeah, that's Time Cop, baby. Where's Van Damme? Let's get some Time Cop action going here. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, my, uh, my my big thing about this book, and nothing is more emblematic of it than when I just turned the page and we're with the Legion of Superheroes. And this is not a knock against the Legion. Green Arrow yeah. is not the comic book where I want to turn the page and see people talking to Legion of Superheroes. That's what no. you do with one of maybe one of the Super Family. Maybe you do cosmic stories with them. I don't want time travel stories with the Green Arrow team. I want them fighting no. more rocky crime in the city. Here's the thing: street I level. Could, I could even be okay and see a specific Green Arrow book that's cosmic. 
playing through his Green Lantern connection and friendship. Sure. I can see uh, you, you kind of almost do, you know, hard traveling heroes, but this time other way around. Mm, but they're okay. both off planet. I, I can see that book. Time traveling heroes. That's what this yeah. was. This is what this but is. No, because but, but this was like shit. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that they go and reference hard traveling heroes, like, again, I, I like that. But this is Williamson doing the member berries thing again. Yeah, so right. he, he references a lot of stuff in this issue. Yeah. <sighs> like, the entire... And don't get me wrong, doing the recap of the friendship so that for context mm-hmm. of the comic is fine. Like, I get that. But it is, yeah. Like, but it's it's really on the nose where it's like, oh, we were traveling hard. And I'm like, no one yeah. would ever say that. That You're saying no. it that way because the story was... Or the, the period was called Hard Traveling Heroes. Right. That is an unnatural lane of dialogue. I'd There's no two ways about it. In- Dusty Rhodes' hard time promo <laughs> and put it over the art because it still would have, it still would have, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah. it still matches. But, you know, they went through the hard times, baby. So, I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just, this book bums me out just because I want to read a Green Arrow book and I, I've been chasing the high of, of Green Arrow Year One, which I'm a big fan of. And Percy's and run. And Lemire's Green Arrow. Huh? And Percy's run, though? And Percy's run. But the the, the two that I always hold up as, as like, my favorite Arrow stories are are year one by um, Diggle and Jock, yeah. and then and then um, Lemire's. Um, I'm Sorrentino. I'm a big fan of yeah. the, uh, the Kevin Smith stuff personally. I think that's a lot. It's, it's it's a little bit more mired in continuity than those other two. Yeah, mm. it's a very good book as well. I like, but those ones. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I like uh, I like Percy's Rebirth run. I like year one, um, and I've not read the actual run, but I read the first story of the Mike Grell stuff, which obviously is a bit more yeah. dated, but I kind of like for how gritty mm-hmm. and grimy it was. It kind of felt like a different right. era. It's... And it's, in the same way that when you read Batman year one, it doesn't really feel like modern Batman, but it's like, oh, this is kind of right. cool because this is like from this you know tougher right. era kind of thing. But what, but what I think about all the ones that we are enjoying is it is more grounded style because yeah. at the end of the day Green Arrow is just a brighter version of Batman, right? He's he has the 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 gadgets and the money and all of this other stuff, but he wears a bright green suit, right? And he's, you know, Oliver Queen is kind of a smart ass that you know talks way more smack. And I don't feel like we're getting into that. We're getting this weird cosmic reality jumping and it's just not working. The tone yeah, you know, despite uh, uh, Williamson's best efforts, just aren't working. I, I know Green Arrow does have some villains like Vertigo who are a bit more over the top, mm-hmm. but like I kind of think of Green Arrow as having less of a rose gallery and more. Mm-hmm. You know, he fights corrupt billionaires, he fights thugs, he mm-hmm. fights, you know, again more normal things. Whereas Batman, yeah. when, he starts with that, but the whole you know Batman's whole thing is that yeah. it turns into Joker, Two Face, you know, Riddler, all the all these yeah. big larger than life characters. Yeah. Brick is essentially like a kingpin-esque character that just has, you know, brick-styled skin, you know? Mm. So at the end of the day, he's still doing street-level, you know, thug-type stuff. I mean, on SBR, he's, he's just Green Arrow's blockbuster. That's, that's, that's just what he is. Yes. He is, yeah. but, he, but he's more fun because he's red, all right? You know? <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree that he's more fun. Like, blockbuster... I think he's more fun. I li- well, I like Brick. I think Brick... And uh, he was also... Wasn't he Vinnie Jones on, on Arrow? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right, so. I didn't even realize that's who he played. Yeah. I probably did yeah. it at the time because they called him Brick. Yeah. But I, like I, I didn't remember yeah, yeah, that. No, no, we, we we made fun of it at the time. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh. You know, so like Juggernaut you know, and um, Brick. What a career yes. that man has led. Yes. Icon. Uh, yes. Um. But yeah, I don't uh, know. Man. Joshua Williamson, just... you have failed this city. 
Uh, speaking of that, did you see someone went to a Comic Con dressed as the Oliver Queen grave and got a picture with Grant Gustin? <laughs> yes, I and, did uh, see that. Good. Yes, and Grant, Grant did the pose. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I love that good. he's leaned into that, and Stephen Amell yep. apparently hates it. He hates that picture. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he's got more things to worry about because. Uh, yeah. Well, his show uh, he got, got cancelled. Well, his show yep. did get cancelled, and he almost got cancelled yep. for speaking out against the actor mm-hmm. strike. So, uh, good luck yep. with that. Yeah, he has, he has bigger issues. He has failed himself. Yes, yeah. He was even so, trying to like, anyways, pro- he was trying to promote his show. They're not allowed to promote, but he was taking yeah. lots of Instagram photos with the billboard for the show behind him. Like really, like yeah. look, what are you okay. doing? Like you're clearly still promoting yeah. the show right now by posting these. Yeah. Oh, what a tit. Right. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, yeah. So Green Arrow. I mean, it's an easy, quick read, which is probably why we're all still doing it, just to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not good. It's not what we want from Green Arrow. It's a bit of a train wreck. So, hey, uh, what are you giving it, Connor? I give it a four, and, I, and that's probably dragging it up like a full point just for the art being, you know, really nice. Okay, Matt, you ready? You ready for this? You ready? It's a five. Wow. Yeah. I must have hated this book. You'd think it, you know, fondled his wife with that score like that. Jeez. <laughs> Five out of ten. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with the four. But <laughs> I'm not going to do it in too dramatic here. Uh, all right. That is Green Arrow. The Penguin, issue two, Tom King with Raphael Lee DeTore on the R, or D. DeTore. So I, I swapped the, the two letters. Yeah. Uh, D. DeTore. Uh, so issue one was like, holy shit, this was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom King has no business doing a Penguin book that's that good. There's no no justification I, for it. So I've never had a lot of thoughts on the Penguin, right? Like he's, he's That's a lie. Well... No, you've, you've had many thoughts on every stupid DC character, Matt. Yeah, but what I mean is, like, he doesn't rank high in, like, my favorite Bat characters. Like, Penguin's fine, right? Tom King turning him to this ruthless dude that literally... He, he, I don't want to call him, like... He's not, like, because Batman, but I, I am feeling, like, because Cobblepot, right? But it works because of the ruthlessness and just the drive that he has, the pure evil... It, and he really amps it up in this one. Oh yeah, so the first issue, and indeed the whole series gimmick, uh, seems to be that the narration always comes from all everyone else. We never get Penguin's narration, mm-hmm. it's always from whoever he's talking to in the scene. And with the exception of the help himself, who narrates the first page and last page, everyone who narrates in this, who works for the help, so it's like his cook, his, you know, mm-hmm. his doctor, his shooting master he's, he's, he's filthy rich this dude right he's got like a staff of 28 people um we hear the narration from various of those people over the course of the issue as they have to interact with penguin in some form and the fact that every single one of them are dead by the end of the issue just adds a dark undertone to the fact that it's all their perspectives and then by the end of the issue penguin has killed them all is mm-hmm. you know it's, it's some uh now I don't think this is as amazing as issue one because issue one had no. that phenomenal build to him like finally cracking and becoming the penguin again. But this was mm-hmm. a very good follow-up, which is all about penguin asking he's trying to recruit the help, but the help's retired and he's like ninety-two years old, apparently. And he's basically saying, No, I love that Penguin sends him a note that just says whack whack on it. Yeah. I thought that was funny. 
and help the the help basically laughs him out the room and says, "Nope, I'm good. I'm retired." You like which. One thing I've learned over comics is you do not laugh at Oswald Cobblepot. Oh, no, yeah. That's you, the one thing you do, you, yeah. You do not do. And uh, The Help is a Tom King creation, right? I think so, yeah, because uh, Kelly yeah, Titan is what he's from, yeah. Yeah, so, like, The Help might be my favorite, like, Tom King-created character at this point because he's adapted all the other ones. I don't know of too many, you know, other than Gotham and Gotham Girl, right? So yeah. to experience this issue through the eyes of the help and to see, you know, what what Oswald is capable of. Uh, and, and we've seen what the help can do, right? We know we know from killing time, like how lethal this guy is. And to see him outmaneuvered by Oswald as this issue goes, to basically force him back into, you know, service. Yeah. It's yeah, it, it's really quite a turn. Because he you know he turns him down and then he invites him to stay over to the next day so that he can go out shooting with him and you know, socialize basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penguin tries to threaten him with the gun, so the help, you know, hits him with the gun and like, okay, you've asked politely and then unpolitely or impolitely, and like, and now that's it. Uh, and then he gets treated by the help's doctor who fixes his nose. And by the way, there's casual references in this to the help, like giving like Lady Shiva training still, like mm-hmm. some of the world's best villains still go to him to learn how to be better fighters. Like so, this is something that they they do. Um, maybe it's a little comical when he's describing like what his day is, and it's like, oh, he goes for a, a run for two hours and then cools off with a ten mile swim and then does mm-hmm. some wrestling in the evening. <laughs> like, okay, all right, all right, you're overselling yeah. just how amazing this guy is. Well, there's <laughs> that, and he's. <laughs> But you said he's 92, but I remember reading 85. He retired at 85, right? but he says... Oh, he he's... retired at 85, and it's been yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. He's... So, yeah, so this this is a, you know... Which confused he's... me at first, but then I remembered Killing Time is set in... In the past. Yeah, it's in the past, yeah. yeah it's just, just... So this guy's so old, he could run for Senate in the United States, right? <laughs> like, um, and and he's still capable of all these things. So I feel like there, there's more to him, too, that we're going to learn. Like, if he's, if he's training Shiva, there's, there's a reason why he's still so capable at this old age, right? But, you know, it's still the fact that the point is, is he is not someone that gets served. He is the one that does the serving. And and Oswald has to remind him of that. And that, that dark reminder is what, you know, sealed this one for me. Yeah, uh, Penguin kills his kills the doctor uh just strangles mm-hmm. him to death right in there um and he gets an audience with the help before he's going to go and penguin shoots his butler in the head with his umbrella and then the help passes out because he's had his drink poisoned turns out the uh the chef wasn't as happy at his job so mm-hmm. and, and he's a little bribe took care of that according to penguin um mm-hmm. so we get this great like nine panel grid where whenever we get the POV of the help, it's kind of blurry, and he's, like, struggling to, like, hear what he's saying. Uh, it's all very dumb. But when he wakes up from this this drug that he's been given, all of his staff are lying dead around the room. And Penguin's making a speech about getting his attention. Uh, and it's just all, it's all about breaking him down. Uh, and it ends with him whacking the help in the face with his umbrella and saying, you should not be served you serve others like and hence mm-hmm. i mean he starts yelling at you're not to be served you're a servant uh which mm-hmm. really speaks to what penguin thinks of himself he's like no no yep. like i i am to be served but you're a servant mm-hmm. 
So I'm very curious to see how this goes, but the, the last page is the help uh, going with Penguin and even opening Penguin's door for him. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's, he is becoming his, uh, you know, his leading force. Yeah, well, he's valet, yeah. but I assume he's going to want him to fight yeah. as well because... Yeah. Yeah, 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 he's gonna be his muscle. You, yeah. you would figure like this is how he does. It almost feels like a Dark Ocean's Eleven. Now that I think about it. Oh, he's building right? his it, team it to. Like yeah, he's building he's, his team to take back Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I also feel like uh, uh, the help is is a wild card because I don't feel like he's going to take this laying down. There, there will right? probably he, at a very key point in the story. There's probably going uh-huh. to be some revenge or comeuppance for what the Penguin's yeah. done here. Well, I'm wondering because remember how it how it opened with with Batman right being shot and whatnot, mm. and the, he's stuck with Oswald in what is the bat plane? Yeah, in the water. I, I'm wondering if the help maybe has something to do with that, right? He's just gonna take take out Batman and you know Oswald. That's um, right. I'd forgotten about that tease of like what the, yeah. the future is going to have. Yeah. So yeah, um, so we know something goes sideways, right? We just don't know what, and yeah. we we do know that it brings us up to modern in the time so yeah no it's uh, man I'm, I'm also thinking about all the characters that, that king's worked on in the bat family that i've really enjoyed and you know um, we'll talk about the joker stuff when we get to brave and the bold but when i think about his riddler from more of jokes and riddles i thought that was really a really fun uh take on on riddler right the whole order you know versus chaos and all of that um uh, I'm trying to think who else. Who else has he done that sticks out? Because Penguin now through this, I uh, did a good um, Mister Freeze story. Yeah, Mister um, Freeze. Did a good Bane did he do t- uh, story early on. I, I didn't like his Bane though. Oh, I like some. Of, I like some of his Bane stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Did Did he do Two Face in that run or no? I don't, I don't remember any. Yeah, I don't remember any Two Face. At least not so prominently for, anyway. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do this. Also, his his one bad day Redler as well. Uh, on top of that, like so, I feel like King is leaving his his mark on these Gotham villains in the yeah. best way possible. So, but yeah, yeah good stuff. really enjoyed this one. It's way how dark it gets. Um, maybe not to the heights of the first, but it was it was a good read. Despite how dark it gets, I like it because of how dark it gets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is the difference between you and me, Pete. But yeah, uh, the art was very good again. Um, really plays with the different coloring schemes depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And the scene where he does strangle the doctor, and it's the first time he really gets violent in the issue. It, mm-hmm. Like the panels become very pink, you know, almost as if they've been stained by blood. Uh, yeah. And he looks like he's in that sort of pink light as he's strangling the doctor at the bottom of the page. Uh, just really good, just the colors, uh, simple layouts, but really effective in how it, how it's doing all these things. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, very very good. Um, issue one was like a damn near perfect first issue. This was a solid follow up, but not. Quite as amazing as that first issue. So, what are you giving it, Matt? Uh, I'm gonna give this an eight. Yeah, I think I'd agree with the eight. Yeah, very good. So, uh, Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue six, Dennis Culver writing with Chris Barnum on the art, uh, the penultimate issue of the book, and first half of a two-parter, according to the title, uh, to yep. wrap things up. Uh, it's mostly a big fight scene. Uh, we start I- off with the. I do suspect this issue, it was, it was planned as a six-issue mini, and it got to this point, and he was like, can I have one more? Yeah, probably, please, actually. Please, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's mostly Which, a big face. I like because... He... Go ahead, Pete. 
No, sorry, you can give me a thought. I was going to start explaining well, what the issue was. Oh, got you. Which, but I like because each of the issues has been different, right? And they've all felt like one-shots. So to, yeah. to tie it all together, I would feel like he'd need more than just one issue to well, tie all these little threads that we've seen. I feel like last you know? issue kind of started to do that, though, because it kind of like said, mm-hmm. oh, that, that thing from issue two was part of this, that thing from issue three yep. was part of this. You know, yep. it, it kind of started to bring them all together. Uh, it starts off innocently enough with just them doing some training, like capture the flag exercises. Uh, Flex Metallo's got his team of misfits that he's training, including Jaro, who's on mm-hmm. uh, someone's face. Or Starbro. 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 Sorry, yes. Right. I mixed up my, my, my Starro offshoots. Yep. Uh, and basically they're playing capture the flag with the Doom Patrol. And that takes up a few pages. It's kind of fun seeing them use their powers against each other. It's all very playful. But then uh, a portal opens up and the issue largely becomes this huge fight scene with all of these other misfits that are fighting for the villains, um, for the evil company man. Um, I, do you know what? Like, I think it would probably be a fair to critique that because it is one big fight scene, there's not a lot of progression and maybe that's disappointing. But uh-huh. there's something about this gal- gallery of characters, both on the good and villain side, that's just so weird and wacky and kind of fun to like see who they all are. But there is, I think yeah. there's still a lot of entertainment to be had from this, but it's definitely not a complete story. Like, under no circumstances of it's, that. It's why I think this was, like, not not stretched into two issues, but I think, you know, was requested to have an extra issue mm-hmm. is so that we could have this just fun stuff, because all of this basically gets cut into, like, a one-page sequence if you have to condense, I assume, yeah. condense this with the next issue. This mm-hmm. is, while really fun, easily cuttable in terms of a I'm- story. I'm I'm perfectly okay with them stopping to take time so Cliff can name different powers so the quiz can't have them. Yeah, that, that's the one yeah. of my favorite parts of this is that yeah, yeah. The, the quiz if like he can do any power that you that, that you can't think of. of. Yeah, that you can't think of. So he's like start naming superpowers. So he starts naming things, and I love the bit where it's clearly affecting the chief because she's mm-hmm. feeling woozy or whatever, uh, and she's doubting herself, and they're trying to mm-hmm. think what power is this? How can we like stop this from working? Uh, and it was what was the what did they end up was it, self- it was imposter syndrome imposter syndrome that's what it was yeah. uh, that's what they eventually yell out that gets it to stop yeah. uh, but all of this builds up because the actual villain uh, the, what's the dictator dude's name again it's Immortus Immortus thank General you Immortus. he's got Mala digging up the dead body of Dorothy out in the the grave and take you know the does like a, a spell or something with it yep. as, as action's going on and it all builds up to him it looks like he gets melted uh towards the end but when he, he's he, yeah <laughs> he drinks a little vial of wax yeah he climbs out the grave and he is now a melting skeleton looks like a melting candle yeah yeah the, yeah. the eternal flame but he's a skull though it's like a skull that's yeah. melting like a yeah. skull made of yeah, wax yeah yeah, yeah. uh so when his face started melting, I thought, oh, man, this is like Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is great. Like, melt that dude. <laughs> and then when Mala looks in, he goes, oh, no. Or he goes, no. Right? And you're just like, oh, my God. Was not expecting, you know, melting skeleton man. No. I like this out. dude. He looks cool. Yeah. It does yeah. look kind of cool. Um, you guys are more familiar with Doom Patrol. What was Dorothy's power set? Like, why would they specifically need to to dig her up is it or is it just because she was so close with all of them she's kind of like the heart of the team or or what uh her power set if i remember correctly 
So I don't know why he had to dig her up necessarily, but okay, wasn't her power set that she would like make things appear, like you know, like nightmares and stuff would become real? Yeah, it was kind of like almost like wish fulfillment. Yeah. Okay. Like oh. Physical manifestations of them. Yeah. I don't know. So. So maybe that's what they needed here was was just that vibe, you know, for the spell to go through. Um. Yeah. Uh, Keblin shows up. Who's this dude with him? There's the cat. Who's this character? <laughs> I don't. I if we went back and looked at the the one issue where the slug guy, where Velvet is going through the 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 whole facility. Uh, the vents. I remember yeah. this group, uh, like being kind of off to their own. It was like the magical mm. side of the Doom Patrol. I don't remember his name though, but okay. I remember seeing him there. Uh, I did love uh, Niles just whipping out some machine guns from his wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's classic Niles. Yeah, that gave me a chuckle. Uh, 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 and then, all, all of it did, yeah. Yeah, Animal, Vegetable, Mineral Girl uh, and her, her raven that becomes a dinosaur. Big fan of that. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Just AVM for short, apparently now. It's yeah. just by the mouthful, yeah. uh, quite mm-hmm. rightly. Uh, so yeah, all this stuff is is, is just kind of good fun. It's just playing with all these weird characters and what their powers are, uh, for the most part, and then having this sort of set up at the end with the cliffhanger just to set up whatever the final mm-hmm. issue is going to be. Uh, so yeah, and the art's still really good from Burnham. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, love but, all Burnham stuff. always turns in some good art to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Mental looks great in the tank whenever it goes back to back to him. Uh, that that. That shot of of Doctor Cinco and Mento looking face to face, right, showing that stuff has really gone sideways uh, mm-hmm. with all this. I thought that was really good too. Yeah, even Cliff's face has some great expressions on it, where it's just mm-hmm. enough of a sort of angle to the upper lip, if you want to call it that, where you just sort of yeah. get like a really good sort of like huh sort of idea from him. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's good fun time. Uh, that looks really good. I'm excited for the last issue. This has been a great little mini-series. Like, I would totally love if this was an ongoing, but obviously, you know, we'll get mm-hmm. our final issue and see what happens from there. Uh, yeah. Connor, what are you giving the Stoppable Doom Patrol issue 6? Uh, I'll give it an 8. This is a great fun. Connor, uh, Matt? Uh, 8.5. Uh, yeah, I'll go with a straight 8, uh, I think. Like, I enjoyed it a lot, but it is mostly just mm-hmm. this one big fight, so... You know, yeah. ultimately, and, and that's why I liked it too. Because after I read this after reading Flash, so after having that dense read, reading Doom Patrol, and it didn't take nearly the time. Yeah, it was it was nice. It's nice to have comics break up like that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, Batman: Brave and the Bold issue five, particularly the Tom King and Mitch Garrod story, uh, which is the continuation of this. Uh, you know, Batman and Joker's mm-hmm. first dance, if you will. Um. So this one's quite interesting. So Batman's injured after the last issue. Uh, so he's kind of sidelined and he's very frustrated about it. <laughs> he's arguing with Alfred in the cave and whatnot. Um, but you also have this continued you know, Joker stuff going on with the silent movie style uh, text. Mm-hmm. Where in this one, he's just sort of saying this like nursery rhyme. And he just kind of, he, he just keeps upping the number every time he kills someone. But he's just going around killing people. Uh, specifically 10 in total, because that's the whole point, is that... Uh, yeah, getting up to... I didn't know it went past four. Like, I'd never heard the, the nursery rhyme past, past Nick Nick Paddywhack, uh, up to, you know, I played Nick Nick, whatever, whatever it is, the, the fourth version. Uh, I haven't ever heard about that. So either, either it does go up that far, or, or King's very good at nursery rhymes. Yeah, I mean, I just extended it. So, I mean, I haven't even heard mm-hmm. of this nursery rhyme, so I'll, I'll just... Oh, yeah? I'll take your word you for know? it. No. Yeah. 
What's the if it came up when I was young, I don't remember it. Oh, fair enough. What's what's the melody, Connor? Because it's it's it shares a melody with another. Does it? Oh, I thought so. I mean, maybe. they usually do, but yeah. But maybe not. Maybe it's just that ubiquitous. I, I can yeah, picture I the melody. I just don't know what yeah. the, what it what it mm. shares it with. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm just imagining that, but um, the the. <laughs> Joker climbing into the porta potty <laughs> and murdering the dude, and we don't see it like so. I've seen since the I read the last one. I I've seen the first Terrifier, and Joker's definitely giving me Art the Clown vibes. <laughs> yes, in this one, I think right? well, this one was interesting to me because this kill and then the next one where he like there's like a mom and her kids in the back seat, and the kids yeah. saying the nursery rhyme, and she's like, "Oh, honey, where did mm-hmm. you learn that?" And he's like, "He taught me," and I thought he, yep. he meant he taught me earlier today when he ran into the Joker. But then she turns around, <sighs> and the Joker's sitting in the back seat, and I was like, "Wait, this is kind of far fetched. Like, how could he possibly tell him something without the mom hearing it?" And it started to make me think that it was intentionally same with this porta potty one where he literally climbs in the toilet and waits in the water. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong, that page, that full page spread of his face in the water holding the knife is wonderful. Well, there's that, and then when they, when he goes down the toilet, he spins unnecessarily. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, Garrett's is having fun with the art there, right? I, like. Uh, you know, I think what I took this as is not that he's literally doing it these exact ways. It's more the idea that as he kills more people and he's getting a reputation, this is the right. myth of the Joker. This is and the same way that Batman has. He's like, oh, you know, you know, can the Batman fly? Is he invincible? Right. You know, the idea right. of criminals saying that this is like is it- we are seeing these murders as if the stories have spread and they've gotten more wild. Yeah, and the Joker is everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, really good stuff. Yeah, so he kills this guy in a, a porta potty. Uh, um, Gordon's got the bat signal on, but Batman's not showing up because he's injured. And Bat Bruce tries to get dressed as Batman. He ends up punching the clock, and Alfred's like saying, "No, you can't go out. It's like you, you just can't." <laughs> if you can beat me in a fight, you can go out. And he's like, "Alfred, stand down." He's like, "I'm not going to. You're if you can't beat your manservant, which again, phrasing." Um, then you have no business going out there, yeah. and, right? So I do like that. I like so, the, the care of Alfred. Some time passes after the next murder, and Batman does go to see Gordon, and Gordon's pissed. Yeah. You know, time has clearly passed, because he's like, hey, I've not heard yeah. anything from you. You know, Where have you been? But even as Batman's trying to talk to Gordon about the current case, he starts coughing and he collapses, and Gordon actually picks up like the, the radio device on his belt yeah. and like calls... You know, He doesn't know who he's calling. We know he's calling Alfred, but he's like, hey, uh-huh. your man's down. Uh, and Alfred tells him to put him in the the Batmobile, and the he's like, "But there's yeah. no one in it." And then the Batmobile just drives off or gets ready to drive yeah. off on its own, is fancy. Uh, mm-hmm. But so the whole thing is Batman's thinking that Joker's intentionally ch- changing up his like pattern because he sees the humor in that, and that you know he's he's done announced murders, he's done surprise murders, he's done robberies, so he's probably going to do a, an announced murder eventually again. But he's doing surprise murders just now, and eventually. Yeah, he's talking- like it's a pattern and a joke, right? So when, once you know yeah. the pattern, the joke's no longer funny. So he keeps changing up his pattern because that's what keeps the jokes coming. And I've never thought about Joker like that. And that's a, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And eventually when he doesn't know who he's going to kill, there's kind of a clue in the, like the message that, because uh, it's, it's, it's mentions that after 10, uh, he'll die. Right. But the 10 also means there'll be a 10th like surprise victim which right. uh, ends up being the police chief who 
told mm-hmm. Gordon that he's not to contact Batman, that they're going to t- handle this themselves. And then almost like Barbara going to the door and Joker like waiting for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar thing here where, where Joker's there and he's got Gordon's pipe because Gordon was looking for his pipe and he couldn't yep. find it. And the Joker's got it. But uh, Gordon does find that communicator. He still had it from when he helped Batman mm-hmm. get in the Batmobile. So he clearly calls that into Batman. Uh, yep. Meanwhile, Batman is like training with Alfred and is like, Alfred hit me. And mm-hmm. he's like, I, I can't do that. So he's like, Alfred, like, I know about your history when you were in the military and stuff. Like, hit me. So yeah. Alfred punches he, him. He brings up for, yeah, for queen and country. I know what you did. Yeah. yeah. Also, I read it in Bale's Hit Me, Yell from Dark Knight. Right? <laughs> so. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then the most sadistic part of this issue is the person he's the joker's announced that he's going to kill who's uh mm-hmm. uh drake the judge yeah the judge drake um basically after he kills the police chief joker wears his face like hannibal lecter and goes straight okay. to the judge's house and plays cards with them as the judge starts to die from the the booze that's been poisoned or whatever and then he just walks out the scene. But no, I think I think he also does stab him because there's some blood on the the next page. Yeah. Uh, but as he walks out in the rain and he's and it does the art's great here where it's just it's the judge and maybe it's a little far fetched to believe that people wouldn't notice that this is someone else. But the the art just does these shadows around the eyes and he's constantly grinning. Yeah. Um, and he just drives off and you can hear the police on the radio saying like how did he get away like we've got the place surrounded but it's because Mm -hmm. he's the police chief and he just walks out and when he's in the car he just peels off the face and pretty much the only time I think in the whole book we get the silent movie style dialogue and it's not that rhyme is this moment where it's just ha 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 like this is it he's he's finished the joke so he's, he's cackling to himself as he drives off into the night uh, and that's the end of the issue. That art there on that last page, especially with the eyes in the rearview mirror, are just yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's gorgeous. Okay. So I got confused as right. I didn't think about him wearing his face like Hannibal Lecter. Oh really? So you get that? I thought he was just impersonating him, right? So when he when he when he's peeling the face off, I thought he was you know putting the makeup or pulling the makeup off, right? Like it was skin tone makeup. Um, but it makes so much more sense that he's wearing his face. I mean, um, maybe there's a bit of color, maybe a bit of color. I'm sure some makeup to like make it convincing, because otherwise it would just yeah. look like a bloody face. That's. I mean, I mean, at one point he wore his own face as a mask. It, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, but I didn't think about that because that, that was my one issue with this. I was like, the ending is a little far fetched where he's impersonated the the police chief. Like the 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 judge wouldn't realize that. And then I was like, oh, I didn't think about I, him wearing his face. I mean, I still think that it's makes a, sense. I think it's a little far fetched that no one would notice. But then if you go back and look at the pages. Like, the yeah. judge is already, like, starting to feel woozy because he's been poisoned yeah. with the booze. So maybe mm-hmm. he's just not, like, you know, seeing clear. Oh. And then the cop that sort of talks to him as he's walking out, you know, Joker's got his back yeah. to him. So he, I think he's intentionally not looking anyone right in the eye yeah. so that they'll get a good look at him kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, is everything okay? Um, even because when you look at him, it is drawn different. Garrett's draws the faces different. When you go back to the page with uh, Gordon talking to the police chief. yeah. Um, right. Um, and then if you look at what <laughs> the Tom King art here uh, at the top of that page, um, of, of the Joker stabbing <laughs> the police chief. 
Oh, is, is that literally uh, well, Tom he, King? Is he that... has the, the pipe. Wait, is that literally Tom King art? I would guess, unless it's Garrett's doing Tom King. Yeah. Right? It could be, because it is just like a sort of yeah. crappy lane drawing. It's intentional, so... Yeah. So okay. I, I took this as that this was a Tom King drawing. And, you know, it's like when they, in, in Mr. Miracle, when they made it the kid drawing, right? It was it was Tom King's art. Um, but yeah, it's him stabbing the police chief and stuff. So it's like one of those, while well, he has the pipe. So, so yeah. Um, but no, it was, God, it was so menacing and creepy. And it just feels so hopeless that, you know, at the end there, when he's driving the police car away, um, from everything, but it looks like the Batmobile's right behind it, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the Batmobile's behind it. He's he's, he's in pursuit. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just really good stuff. I, I like this. I like the moment where the police chief opens the door and Joker's there, mm-hmm. the way he just kind of trails off because he's like on a phone call or whatever. Yeah, and he just says no. It's this idea that yeah, no one's safe from Joker in Gotham right now. Yeah, and I love that page as well because it's uh. The left-hand side of the page is Gordon looking through his desk and finding the communicator yep. at the same time that the chief finds the the Joker. Joker. And it's kind of like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. why the Batmobile's there at the end because Gordon's called them in and said, hey, right. this is what's going on. So right. it doesn't take too much to think to get to that point. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And the last time you see Batman, actually, when he's talking to Gordon when he's on the radio, is, you mm-hmm. know, Batman ends that scene with pulling his cowl up, you know? He he right. takes his cowl down at the start of the page, rips off all the bandages that he's got on his head, and then mm-hmm. puts his cowl back up. Like, he's ready to go. Like, whether he's yeah. actually ready or not, he's he's mentally yeah. ready to go. <laughs> right. So, uh, this was excellent. I'm happy to have mm-hmm. this back. This has been... Uh, as far as, like, really kind of, like, presenting Joker as a almost Michael Myers level of, like ethereal like he could be anywhere doing something nefarious this has been a a story yeah he's not a person he's you know he's the shape so yeah yeah so the comparison to art's not that bad because the art is kind of like the shape but with a sense of humor so i guess that makes sense yeah yeah so uh what are you giving uh raven the bold main story i'm gonna give this now that i had clarity towards the end i'll bump it up a half point so i'll give this a nine yeah, I'm happy to give it the name as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very, very good, and it's gorgeous, and it's doing great stuff. So, yeah, yep. I've had a good week, other than so Pinaro. You didn't read any of these, so you, you saw that there was a George Fornes story, and you chose not to read it? I actually didn't. I didn't even look to see what else there was. Uh, yeah. Well, um, just as a quick bonus, I'll, I'll cover this. It's called The Angel of Gotham. It's the last story in Brave and the Bold. Okay. And it's uh, black, and, uh, black and white George Fornes art... Uh, written by Ed Brisson and um, it's it's about this this guy that was known as the Angel of Gotham because he would he organized this group to get together to hold signs as vigils for these unsolved crimes in Gotham and this guy got murdered um, and so Batman and Gordon are trying to figure out who would kill this Angel of Gotham was it you know was it somebody you know, that is associated with the sign he was holding. So the the vigil he was holding was for a lady named Mandy Mercer, and she was strangled to death here, um, her killer remains at large. Uh, so um, they talk about him starting the Angels of Gotham, and um, Bruce ends up going to uh, Rudy's house, 
uh, and finding all of this stuff about uh, Mandy Mercer. Um, so uh, he ends up um, he ends up finding these pictures of her in this like sealed piece of art, and it looks like she was uh, abused. Uh, Bruce figures out that she was a waitress at the Iceberg Lounge, so he goes to talk to Oswald and Oswald's like, yeah, no, we dealt with this. And he goes, what do you mean? He's like, well, use your imagination, but if you work for me, you're supposed to be safe. So, um, and Fornas does this really cool thing with, with Penguin is that he looks like the Colin Farrell version here, right? So he's got this schlubby, you know, kind of balding look to him. Um, but, uh, basically he, she, Oswald reveals that one of the bouncers roughed her up and um, took it a little bit too far, and that's why she was strangled where she was. Um, and the reason that it's been unsolved in the Gotham police and Batman can't find him is because uh, Oswald just had the bouncer taken out, killed, and thrown into the harbor, right? Uh, so Bruce is, is feeling a bit, like, upset because it's almost sinking in that he can't. Like, there's just going to be unsolved crimes in Gotham, right? He, him and the police can't be everywhere at once. Um, until he comes across this this guy who, who might be homeless uh, named Kaz. And Kaz starts talking about how, you know, you're supposed to be a boogeyman, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really afraid of you. And if you talk to the right people... Right. You you'll find out that, you know, people see things. Um, and so so Bruce starts looking around because Kaz points to this this dumpster and he tells Kaz, thank you. Um, in that dumpster, he ends up finding DNA from this man named Lionel Vernon, who has a long rap sheet of like minor theft, like a bunch of small potato stuff. So Bruce goes there and um says like I, I know you killed Rudy who's the guy that started the angels and he he confesses that he was you know on drugs he looked and saw this guy standing there uh holding a sign and saw him as like a demon and because he was so high and out of his mind he killed him and freaked out and just left um and so um you know, he apologizes and that's never what he wanted. And it ends with um, Bruce and other members of Gotham in the cemetery, you know, at this the at this guy Rudy's funeral. And, you know, uh, Bruce having this monologue about, you know, there's still, still so many deaths unsolved, you know, uh, and, and because of that, we'll always need angels to remind us. Uh, so it was this nice, moody, you know, almost true crime take on Batman, right? Because it's no, none of the supervillains are involved. I mean, he goes to talk to Penguin, right? And Penguin says, like, yeah, I had that taken care of um, and stuff. But just the black and white Fornes art, it's just when you think you've seen everything, you, you see that and it, it just adds to a whole, you know, a whole different level. Uh, and I almost feel like if it was, it was supposed to be like a Batman black and white special, but because that maybe that's not being made right now. They threw it in here, but it's a very, very good story. But yeah, as, just, as I just was going through... Given it a quick skim, it does look very... It looks very Batman, your one art style, but just without mm -hmm. color, because it's all black and white. Yeah. Yeah. So very... Not, I don't want to call Fornas bare bones, because there's layers to stuff, but yeah, it is... It almost is like that the year one, you know, heavy, chunky style. Yeah. It's, it's the but, uh, Batman cowl as well that made me think of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I saw Fornes' name sitting there, and I didn't even realize it was Brisson until mm. I got to the page. Uh, and it's just, it's a very nice story. Uh, you know, pairs well. It's a little bit more hopeful than the Joker story. So it's a nice counter <laughs> to all of that. I mean, uh, that's a, yeah. as far as hopeful goes, I feel like mm-hmm. the bar set by the Joker story is quite low. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, it's worth a read if you guys want to go back. I mean, being yeah. that you, you've already got the issue sitting there. Yeah, so. but it looks, it looks pretty from a quick glance mm-hmm. at the art, which is not surprising because yeah. it's Hornets. But mm-hmm. uh, all right, cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Power Girl, issue one, Leah Williams writing with Eduardo yep. Pansica on the art. You guys read this. So take it away. Yes. So, Connor, you seemed uh, a bit negative when we brought it up earlier. Connor, yeah, negative? What? That's not the Connor I know. First, like, seven or eight pages, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm coming to the conclusion it might have been mostly the art I was enjoying in those backups before. Okay. Because I was just not into this at all. I don't think it's, like, terrible. I was just no. really not into it. And I was like, eh, maybe, you know, because the art's fine. It's Pantica, it's fine. It's, yeah. Uh, is not a bad artist. No. But the, uh, was it Savage we had before? Uh-huh. Um, it, it's so stylized. It was like that, like, fairy tale esque sort of mm-hmm. look that this is just, all right, it's house style. And it, yeah. it looks good for house style. It's not, like, again, mm-hmm. not bad art, but it's not. It's, it's not setting itself apart from any other books like it was before with the backups. I think that kind of lost a lot of what this was for me. Yeah, so what I will... My, my main issue is it seems like they're getting away from the, the superhero cancelling side of things, which I, I really liked as a identity for Paige, for Power Girl, because it did make her stand out from the rest of the super family, right? It's like her thing would be like, hey, let me help you fix you so you could help others. Uh, and I know that they got rid of the the whole telepathy thing, but she still could have gone that way. And it's just it's funny because uh, I was talking about on Twitter how excited was for this because I've I've been enjoying Lee Williams Power Girl stuff, even the Night Terrors, which uh, again Night Terrors is what it was. Uh, there were some bright spots in in the Power Girl story, um, but I, I was talking to a friend and they were asking if if. You know, they, if she was still Karen Starr, if she was still in the business world, I was like, oh, no, she's she's doing superhero, you know, counseling and she can astral punch and, and stuff. And it's a completely different. It's kind of giving her her own identity in the super family. And then I open this and and she's she's now um, uh, what, what's her. Uh, do you have it open, Connor? Omen. Huh? She's with Omen. She no, she's with Omen, but her new name is Paige. It's Dr. Page something. Oh, and she's uh, she's a, a tech she's a tech business person, and I was just like, oh, this is this is not what I was expecting. Diamond Dallas? Um, <laughs> no, not Diamond Dallas. <laughs> uh, Paige Stetler. Yeah, Paige Stetler, and so this opens up with with uh, her and Omen essentially being undercover, uh, while also using this event that they're holding to give Doctor Stetler you know, and Paige herself, you know, like kind of this vibe that she's always been around, right? They're trying to solidify her identity. Uh, and in doing so is that she's starting this, you know, she's still working in the tech world, but she's she's holding this fundraiser to auction off things from space that she's had smuggled in to Earth, which already is not a, you know, again, not, not where we left off. I feel like I'm missing chapters here because when the last one ended, you know, after she faces down Johnny Sorrow, right? 
she she astral punches into space and is like, well, this is a story for another time, right? Um, and here they're they're she's all dressed up, she's dressed to the nines. Uh, Omen's working as a bartender, even though she has no idea what goes in drinks. But because she's telepathic, she's just gonna you know read people's minds. Which, as someone that's been to a couple bars, not everybody knows what they're drinking, right? Like not everybody knows the ingredients to the to the cocktail that they want. Um, most, most people don't. Right. They just know what the, the cocktail is, you know, yeah. so they'll order it. Right. Uh, so th there was a, definitely a flaw in Omen's plan. Uh, but Omen's still talking uh, to Paige through all of this. And we, you know, uh, they, they bring up the, the smuggler that Paige has befriended that has smuggled all these artifacts in. Uh, Atlanteans are bringing stuff in to be auctioned. Um, and then all hell breaks loose. This alien guy attacks and starts, you know, um, calling out Power Girl because she shows up now. She, you know, does the quick change, ends up in the Power Girl costume, uh, calling her a Kryptonian and Kryptonian scum, and that, you know, Kryptonians are just colonizers that, <sighs> you know, never had an original thought. They just take what others do. They think they're better than everybody. Uh, and, you know, it's a big fight scene with Power Girl and this guy and, and his um, people were. But he. Uh, he reveals that, oh, yeah, he's just going to blow up this big chunk of Metropolis. So what Paige does is she goes and finds the bomb and Astral punches it into the Marianas Trench, right? She thinks that the day is saved. Stricky needs to get fed, He, which there's a cutaway that made me think of Pete for sure, right? Because Omen and her are talking about how she forgot to feed Streaky and Streaky's not going to forget it. And he looks very annoyed. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, Superman shows up and is like, hey, Paige, like, I know you're you're trying to get reestablished, right? But what you did by, by putting that bomb into the Marianas Trench, the Atlanteans that were there took that as a, <laughs> a as an act of war. Um, they took that personally. So, yeah, and, like, they, after what had happened with the, um, with, uh, what was that stone, the Genesis Fragment, uh, we're still not on good terms with them exactly. So, like, you got to think before you do things. And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, this is real tough. And this is where the characterization started to come down, where I feel that Williams has worked so hard to establish this unique identity for her. To her to just kind of back down from Clark, I thought was a little bit weird, right? Because, you know, she'd be like, well, I, you know, I, I did try my best, and, and I get that, but can you, like, let me talk to the Atlanteans, or, you know, along those lines. Uh, and then he tells her that there's this weird Kryptonian virus that has uh, invaded this small Caribbean town, or town, island. And this is what some of the stuff in the Night Terrors um, issues were. Uh, that there was this this weird virus going through this island and infecting everybody. And he needs her to uh, check it out. And he goes, she tells him, well, isn't there any other members of the super family? Um, and he points out, he's like, well, no, this is not from my Krypton. It's from your Krypton. Uh, reminding her that she's, you know, her Krypton that doesn't exist anymore, right? Um, and, and from her reality that is, you know, wishy-washy, it's infecting through there. So, um it's not what I was, you know, digging from before uh, in the Power Girl, but I'm going to trust Leah Williams because so far I'm still, even the Night Terror stuff was was pretty decent. Uh, I like the dynamic between her and Omen because that's still there. 
Um, and, and again, just, you know, throwing her back in tech and all that stuff, I just feel it's a, it's a regression. I don't know if that was editorial or what. Um, but yeah, but like Connor was saying, the Pensinga art's fine. The action sequences, you know, it all feels like very much comic book art, you know, uh, made for a easy breezy read. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, I'm going to keep going with it. It's, you know, it's nothing, it's not great, but it is readable. So, um, I'll give this a 7.5. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, and then finally we have Spirit World Issue 5, Alyssa Wong and Haining. Uh, both of you guys read this, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how, how many were you behind? Uh, just had to read this in the last one. This is the last one, okay. Um, so I'll, I'll go to you, because I did read this this morning, but I read it real quick, uh, and a lot of the mystical stuff I got tripped up on because there were so many, not just new characters introduced, but con- not, you know, kind of yeah, concepts. Yeah, the Jade Court is kind of a the new Jade concept Court. for the book. Right. Um, um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, most of that's kind of just in the background like mo- most of what the issue is dealing with is kind of picking up where it was last time where um Cass and Constantine have kind of got some sort of like possession something they're, they're not entirely sure what's going on that's kind of the point where it has led them to turn against uh Xanthi and not intentionally like they're still mentally they're aware that hey we, we don't want to be attacking yeah. you why are we doing this but right. they're conscious of their their movements but they can't control their bodies yeah uh, so they are like being like puppeteered into like casting spells and like you know doing you know, martial arts against them and it's it's not going great uh, and and a good bulk of the issue is they're trying to figure out about how to contain this without hurting the you know hurting them because they you know they're, they're the friends and mm-hmm. They're clearly, you know, it, this is against their will. This is not what they want to be doing. And it, it kind of you know, reverse engineers some the the previous binding spell, but in a more um, non horrific way this time. Yeah, a, a nicer way. That's you know, she's it's talking more about consensual. Her, yeah, Xanthi's talking about how magic's all about intention, right? You got to set your intention and, you know, people don't have time anymore for that. So they kind of just do things mindlessly. And that's kind of the key for Xanthi to like, well, they're still mindful. So I can kind of bind whatever spirit is in them, you know, to, to calm it down. And it's this really nice kind of spiral page as Xanthi's using the, the spell. Stuff. There's a lot of spiral imagery in this because uh, yeah. going down the, the spiral staircase. Right. And yeah, this spell is again a casting an unrelated spiral to that staircase. Right. But the way uh, each like each uh, each section of that spiral is like 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 the staircase still at like the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one's a different panel with like a different image in it as it goes through the the spell. Um, it looks really great with it. It's, it's a strong layout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it does work. It, like it. it at least it's a temporary fix. It keeps them to, as a, a hold of themselves, uh, so they are all back on the same side, and no one's attacking anyone anymore. Yeah, and I, I do like that. Cass mentions, you know, that, and so does Constantine. That Xanthi referred to them as the best martial artist and a really good sorcerer, sorcerer, right? So you know, Constantine's like, well, yeah, you do care about us, you know. Yeah. And it was a, a nice little friendship moment. 
Yeah, and, and they get to the bottom, and there's a, a doorway down there to, you know, a doorway to the Jade Court. Right. They're all, you know, they're all over. He's like, oh, this shouldn't really be here, but yeah, I guess it is. So what are you going to do? And there's there's a, a hint that um, the the old, like, the old imp lady who's been, like, helping Popo. them out. Popo. Uh, may or may not be one of these gods from this pantheon mm -hmm. uh, in the Jade Court. Uh, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, there's there's a whole lot bigger of what's been going on behind the scenes that, you know, no one has seemingly known about so yeah. far. And so the Jade Court are these group of spirits in the spirit world that have ascended into godhood. Um, and they all kind of, in, in a very, you know, Power Rangers kind of way, each of them has a different color uh, to their name and kind of like a specialty, too. Yeah. There's, right, there's, there's, a, there's a page of the star which lists them yeah. all, but like, right. you, you don't really need to know most of them. It's just a no. Uh, they're here so that you can recognize them later. Just just the jade one because it, it's you know you got to remember that Popo is using green energy. Yeah, so right? it's uh, the verdant sorceress. The the verdant sorceress, right? And so it's heavily intimated that 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 Popo the grandma was the verdant sorceress, but was kicked out of the the jade council yeah, possibly because uh when we see them mm -hmm. at the start they're all young right right um, mm -hmm. uh, especially the verdant sorcerers are seem seemingly younger than most of them right. whereas the rest of them you'd say you know right like you know the you know, 20s maybe 30s at most mm -hmm. whereas she she looks like a, a teenager comparatively right um and so yeah so uh and then the in the kind of cross cuts we get too is that there's some demonic spirit attacking the Jade Council and and all of their people, right? In in this realm, coming through that door, right? That that we see our heroes travel through. Yeah. Right. So this this is the part that lost me. Is that demonic spirit? Is that meant to be the Verdant Sorceress uh, in a new form? I don't think so, because there's no. Yeah. They don't have any of the the iconography. Uh, like the staff, right? Uh, there's no right. none of our symbols there, so I don't so, think so. All right. So who is this person supposed to be then? Is it just an evil spirit? Yeah, I'm not sure. We we're meant to know who it is. Okay. Because because at the end there, you know, they go to fight. They're they're fighting the you know the gilded warrior dude who just wants to fight people because it's been a while, uh, which, which I get, um, but. You know the the main person on the council says you're full of surprises, Popo, right? Um, and it says, and they are the ones that are going to help open that door, right? So like, that's where I got lost in this is like it, it's making it feel like the the verdant sorceress is seemingly up to something to bring down the council, right? So did is it something to do with this demonic spirit? Or or what? And, you know, that, that's the only thing. It's kind of unclear. Yeah, I think it's part of the plan. The the demonic spirit. They they give a name, uh, but it's they say you know Wan uh, Yujing. Right. But I don't recognize that name uh, from anywhere earlier in in the book. Uh, so I think it's much more something giving us to you know a, a yeah. name to call them going forward. Uh, gotcha. They do say. Uh, you know that that um that she brought them all here and that they're mm -hmm. the ones that are going to help help open the door uh mm -hmm. right as we've seen you know our, our main trio you know 
doing some magic to try and open the door. Right. So right. There, there is definitely a strong implication that that One she's has to do with the other. Yeah, at least behind it. Whether or not she's yeah, she is uh, you know, Popa, I'm not entirely yeah. sure. It it's it's it it could be. You know, they could definitely right. go that route. Well, I just remember, you know, in earlier issues the grandma telling telling Xanthi, you know, the J Council, you can't you can't deal with them, they're all bad. Right? Yeah. So it just it feels like there's some some There is. We also know there's been them. a lot of stuff going wrong in the you right. know, the, the afterlife here and like yeah, there's yeah. So I, I wonder if it's 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 less direct than maybe, you know, you've been yeah. jumping to here and it's more just a oh, they've been puppeteering it towards this in a long game sort of way. As True. opposed to directly pointing them to the door. Yeah. Because they point out that it, the everyone's meant for reincarnation, but because of the Jade Council's ascension to the top, it's they're kind of in control of who gets reincarnated and, and who doesn't. Yeah. So when they get to the, the bottom of that spiral staircase, there's these spirits that have been there for way too long, and they're barely being able to keep form. Kind of reminded me of Coco, right? The Pixar movie. That once people oh, yeah. on the other side forget who you are, you cease to be. Um <laughs> And along those same lines, um, but yeah. So the overall story is, is pretty, pretty decent. I like a lot of that stuff, but that's where you know it's starting to feel like this maybe needed one or two more issues to kind yeah, of flesh I, out the Jade Council. Yeah, um, I'm definitely confused as to how this is going to wrap up in one issue. Yeah. Um, or if it is, or if this is going to be one of those things where they're hopefully going to get more down the line. I mean, either way, I hope there's more. I've really enjoyed this book overall mm -hmm. so far. I think this yeah. is probably one of the messiest issues in terms of a plot perspective. It feels like they say, oh, uh, maybe this needed seven or eight issues as opposed to six. And all of a sudden there's that realization of, oh, we need to kind of cram a lot in here now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't all get that unstoppable Doom Patrol seventh issue to... True. Yeah, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if part of that's sales, I haven't got any, you know, got no data to back yeah. up, or if part of it's just they're trading on the Doom Patrol name a little bit, right, as opposed to a completely new property mm -hmm. with the Spirit World. Uh, it, was, uh, it was higher in the Comicsology chart, at least. Doom Patrol was up higher. It is, but I would, I think, again, I would expect that to always be higher, right, than, than a brand new yeah, book no, I like, agree. of something yeah. like this. Um. I, I'm still like really like enjoying all the the stuff that's happening in this as I'm reading it. Like, mm -hmm. I, said, I think this is definitely a bit too uh, condensed into the back half of the series overall. Mm -hmm. I, it's it's kind of like it's it's a little bit messier because it's not as it's not amazingly paced over the six issues. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am also still really quite enjoying it mostly, and art's been great. Uh, characterization of all the characters is is really fun, and I'm enjoying you know I, you know. There's pretty less of it in this issue than the others, but having these three bounce off each other has been probably a lot stronger than I would have expected going in. Like if you'd picked, you know, Constantine, a Cassandra Cain, and then go, ah, and we're going to mm -hmm. throw in another character on top of that, and and like, and it'll it'll work. Don't just trust us. I probably would have been skeptical, um, but no, it, it's it's been really solid. Yeah, um, yeah, just a little bit messy on the back half, like you were saying. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so far all three of these books that have come out, like The Vigil, this one, and uh, City Boy, have all been unique in their own ways. I've right? kind of loved and, all three of them. Yeah, so yeah. I do. I do love the the Asian mythology 
at play here because it's something I'm pretty unfamiliar with. So, you know, coming into these, kind of like when I was reading Monkey King, right, or Monkey Prince, and coming across all of those type of stories, it's like it's opening a whole new side for me. Uh, yeah. I just wish it was a little bit more concise. So, yeah, what you reading it? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 6.5. I want to give it more. I want. I, li- I, I think I like it more than I do on paper, but in reality, it is probably like a 6.5, this issue. I, I will agree with the, the 6.5. Okay, the Flash was better. Is what Matt said. Mm. <laughs> Matt did say that. I did not say that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna nod in approval. Yes. All right. Well, that'll take us out of the part of the show. If you're wondering, like normally I'll do a Patreon book a week for, but like we had so many books this week, and next week I have three books, so I'll just do both my Patreon books next week because easier. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, that is uh, that'll take us on to the last part of the show, which is picking our favorite stuff of the week for it panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. So, start off with panel slash moment. Matt, what do you have? Um, do I do? I started with Batman Brave and the Bold, but let me let me shout out in action, you know, Superman talking to the, to the guy on the, the beam because mm-hmm. that was that was a, a nice moment. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be Joker flushing himself down the porta potty because that <laughs> that just it was so out there, and I just I couldn't believe what I was reading. It, it had again Art the Clown kind of Pennywise vibes, uh, very 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 scary. Very good, Connor. Uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, the Wolf Spirit in Detective. I'm just deciding if I want the one where it's going after Jack or if it's going after Thomas Wayne. Like I mean. Either or, like yeah, it's it's a it's a toss up between them, but those two were the standout moments. Yeah, from an art perspective. Yeah, I I am a little tempted to go with some of the stuff with Superman talking to the the boy Arthur chick and like the lie detector mm-hmm. stuff, but I think I'm probably going to go uh, with Joker wearing the police chief's face <laughs> because yeah. just super horrific stuff. Uh, really, really good. Uh, all right. Cover of the week. I have there's a, there's a couple of interesting ones. Uh, the Fiumura detective covers kind of interesting. It's like a Batman holding the Bruce Wayne. Uh, there is perils admittedly though, so maybe it's disqualified just because there's some perils <laughs> on on Bruce's lap. Uh, I would also say that the Dan Mora variant for Flash is very good. It's very colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that. Uh, Penguin's got a couple of good variant covers. Uh, my favorite of them probably being the Otto Schmidt one. Uh, Penguin just looks very imposing. It's very simple. But my pick, as has been most weeks with this book recently, has been action because I just love the art style on the covers for those. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got a really nice poster kind of vibe. So I'm going to narrowly give it to that. But uh, what you got, Connor? Yeah, I'm just looking at... I, I agree. Pretty much all the ones you shout out were, were pretty great. Um... I also like all the Spirit World covers, uh, but on top of that, I, I'm, I'm, it comes down to two. Um, one of which is the normal detective cover. I just the, the the style of those has been great, but because I'll I'll get to pick another one of those soon because they're everywhere. Like you know they're, they're pretty consistently that style. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Stoko Green Arrow cover. Um, Stoko's so good, and the way he makes a mess of objects look distinct 
like every, you know, amongst these this huge density crowd of things flying at all on this. He, he does it on all his stuff, but the way he does that is so impressive to me. Yeah, okay. Uh, Matt? Um, I, no one has brought up the, the Gary Frank Power Girl cover, which I think is oh, that's good. I, even look at, I even look at Power Girl's yeah. covers. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of cheesecake, right? That's the character that lends itself. There, there's a cool Otto Schmidt, though, that has Power Girl in all her different costumes, and it's not done in a kind of skeevy way. It's just, it, you know, it looks just like a, a layout. Um, but uh, mine's going to be from uh, Flash, and it's going to be the Dan Mora variant. Because, like, come on. Yeah. What, what's not to like here? So All right. I'm trying to pull it up now real quick so I can explain. But it's got, it's got Wally running. And there's a black background. But, you know, there's a ton of color coming through um, as he's in the running pose. Yeah, it looks, looks real nice. All right. Art of the week, Connor. Oh, that is tough, isn't it? Um, do I get... I'll 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 give it to Detective. I think it's I I really like the the art in that book. Alright. Uh I I'll probably go with Shout out to Rafael De La Torre for, for Penguin. It's very good. Obviously Wind mm-hmm. was good in Detective. Uh I actually really like Diodoto Junior on Flash. I I like that art a lot. Uh however, I did read a book drawn by Mitch Garrods this week and it was full of insanely good looking imagery. That is fair. So that's my pick. It's the boring choice in a lot of ways but it's the correct choice. Matt? Yeah, I, I you know, wanted to come up with something different but between between Garrods and Fornes, right? Brave and the Bold. Just swinging, swinging hard. So yeah, Brave and the Bold. Yeah, yeah, there you go then. Alright, top five of the week. Matt, you're up first. All right, so number one's going to be Brave and the Bold, two is Detective Comics, three is Action Comics, four is Penguin, and five is... Let's see, what would I put else there? I guess I need Power Girl 5. Okay, Connor? So, Tech, Action, Doom Patrol, Spirit World... Oh god, which one did I dislike more? <laughs> oh, it, it's a toss-up between Green Arrow and Flash by default. Whereas, oh come on, Flash well, was better than no, Green well, Arrow. One's, one's, one's objectively worse written, but has really nice art and is and uh, and if I had to read another one of them right now, I'm rereading Green Arrow. Whereas, <sighs> Flash was a chore. I, I'm 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 gonna put Green Arrow above it. Thing to use a chore. Even I, I didn't do that. No, guys, even green, I didn't do green, that. Green Arrow wasn't a chore for me to read. Flash was. <laughs> All also, right. Green Arrow didn't character assassinate anyone. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I, I think it was like, Oliver committed character suicide. <laughs> well, that's not not specifically in this issue. Um, yeah, so my top five Brave and the Bold, Tom King stories number one. And then I think, then action, then detective, then penguin, then flash. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. So, uh, I had a good week though, other than Green Arrow. Still, you know, uh, six out of seven ain't bad. Uh, so, that was 
that's, 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 that's the range of stuff. If I can remember what I'm saying here. Yes, uh, next week from DC Comics, uh, we're having Batman 138, so the Gotham War will continue. We have Poison Ivy 15, Shazam issue 4, Birds of Prey issue 2, The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing issue 11, Blue Beetle issue 2, Peacemaker Tries Hard issue 6, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville issue 2, Batman The Adventure Continues, Season 3, Issue 8, uh, DC's Ghouls Just Wanna Have Fun, that's their big horror anthology uh, special, and then the Scooby-Doo book. It's a good title. That's a good title, I agree. There's absolutely no creators on it that I'm familiar with, I no. think. No, yeah. Oh, Dexter Soy is in there, and Javier Rodriguez on the art. That's about it. Yeah, this is one of these things where when I first saw this uh, title, I went, oh, maybe I will read this special just because it's out in a week where there's almost nothing else. But then the, the list of names was like, oh, this is like just, a, this is a such crap shit. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it, it's fine, though. Because there's a Nightwing and Red Hood story co-written by the voice of Nightwing from the Gotham Knights video game. Yeah, I think I'll skip it. I'll do my Patreon books plus the, <laughs> plus the books that I have uh, next week. <laughs> Uh, and then Connor, what are these JSA gold editions? It, are they just, just reprints of uh, earlier stuff? Reprints. It's just, okay. it's, I questioned that the other day. Yeah, it's just a reprint of issue one through three, and then a reprint of that one shot special that came out before it. So basically, they realize that JSA hasn't had an issue in ages, and it's going to be a while till the next one. They're like, yeah, Shit, keep them interested. Real real quick, I know you guys were talking because I was trying to figure out the JSA stuff, but this girls just want to have fun. Some of the the, the descriptions seem fun. Like Man Bat versus a Werewolf and Mary Marvel and Dr. Psycho crashing a Halloween frat party. Um, well, you read it for $10 then. I, I won't be here, so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, Matt's not here next week, so if you, if you want yeah. to do it for the show, Connor, you're, you're more than welcome. Uh, uh, I think I'm good. Uh huh. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, but yeah, that's what's going next week. Uh, so we'll see you for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can of course support all the content over at patreon.com slash TV. as I said earlier. Supports the podcast, you get it a little bit early, uh, as soon as it's ready, sometime late on the Saturday, and you, you get help keep it coming, and you get bonuses for all the other Mailfuzz shows uh, that, that we, we do. Uh, so... Yeah, go go check it all out. Uh, you can also support us for free by simply liking, sharing the podcast around, giving us a five star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. All these things do help. Uh, so please do any and all of them. Thank you very much. But that is the show. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Mm-hmm.